0: Okay, welcome, welcome to the Leadership Basic Training and we are so glad to have y'all today, pastors from the area. Um, Our our hope today is really to just support you and uh, to bring a support uh, to the vision that God's given you in your church and in your ministry. Um, One of the things that we'll talk about today in the leadership is that many of the mandates that God gives us, are we fulfilling them all? Right? Are we actually doing everything that the Lord wants us to do? Are there pieces that we're missing? Are there pieces we can't handle because we're not prepared for it? And uh, so one of the things that happened to me... uh, Priscilla, will you turn this down a little bit over there? Um, One of the things that happened to uh, Nicole and I as we were going through ministry is we found out that we were just not as prepared as what we thought we were. And the Lord, by the Holy Ghost, really introduced... Uh, us to pastor jb and pastor chris dechaccio and they had been working in terms of leadership for a long time for almost 20 years now working out a lot of the bugs and uh, really streamlining some processes that the bible lays out and when i saw it you know one of, I, I personally tried to stay away from some of the Logistics that reminded me of the corporate world because I didn't really want the corporate world in the church, but when I saw what they were doing, one of the things that really blessed me was I realized that uh, what was actually working in the corporate world was working because it was tied to the Bible. Right? The principles that worked in the corporate world were the things that were working because they were tied to biblical truths. And so when we started working with those biblical truths, we started realizing, and when they started going into the scripture over it, I went, I had to repent. I had to go to the Lord and repent for not teaching this because it was obviously a part of what God wanted us to do, and we weren't partaking in it. And I had not taught it, and that meant I was not really being the shepherd that God called me to be. I was really convicted by it. Now, at first, I didn't see all of the biblical ties to it, but then I met with Pastor Chris. He did a basic training like you're going to see today, and he just took me to Scripture after Scripture after Scripture, and you're Going to get those same scriptures today, and you'll see. And uh, what we want to do in the leadership basic training is basically paint a big picture that you can be headed. If you decide to use this process, you can be headed in that direction, right? Um, one of the things that I went through, I was raised in an entrepreneurial home, and I was taught to think leader. Um, you know, eventually I grew up and figured out that I wasn't really one. And <laughs> that was not that long ago, and <laughs> but I needed to grow, and we all need to continue growing. But I'd had a lot of training in what the world calls leadership, but then when I stepped into the church, I realized I really wasn't a good one. And um, you know, between that and coaching my girls' soccer, I found out I wasn't really a good leader. And uh, but we got better, praise God. And so one of the things that I saw was. I, you know, you read John Maxwell, you hear a good leadership, somebody talking, and they painted this picture of that leader up there. And I was like, yes, I want to be that. Amen. But then you walk out of that conference or you get finished reading that book, and it's like, but I have no idea what to do right now to go from this point to that point. And when I saw Pastor JB and Pastor Chris talk about this, I realized that these were the steps to go from point A to point To point B. And how to get there. And this really talks about an organizational leadership structure. That's designed not only to uh, give you some organization. And to show you how to lead any organization. Not just a church. You just customize some of the terminology. The principles of God still work. Right? But it's not just that. But when you start to do those things. It also leads into discipleship. I promise you. That if you go through this leadership process, you will run into discipleship areas. Because what it basically does, and this is, uh, this is an interesting thing. And you have to have some guts to step out in this and some faith to step out in it. But this will take your organization. And what you are going to find out is you had a layer of dust on there that you were unaware of. And this will push the dust off. But underneath the dust, you're gonna find holes in what you thought was solid. But see, those holes are there anyway. You already got things slipping through the cracks that we're unaware of. This allows us to see it and work on it. Uh, When I used to have a chemical company, we would treat uh, steam lines. And many times, I would go into a plan and we'd start introducing the right treatment. And what they didn't realize was they had had bad treatment and the good treatment, Uh, The lines were being held together by rust right and then all of a sudden you put good treatment in there and you got the pressure of the steam it started blowing holes and they i'd get the phone call what did you do to my system i didn't do anything to your system your system was already like that we just exposed it now that now we got to do something about it you were in line for a catastrophe now it's at least manageable well this is not a ca- catastrophic by any means But there are holes that we generally have in our organization or in our church that we're unaware of. This helps us push the dust off, clean up those areas, and actually become much more efficient and much more productive with the vision and the mandates that God's given to you. And so that's what I've found, and it, we have found that this leadership process is just amazing in its working. Pastor Daryl's been doing some of it, Pastor Brian's been seeing some of this for quite some time, and uh, it's just really, really beneficial to you. So uh, I want, let's jump right in. Father, we just thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy. We praise you, we worship you. Lord let your will be done in each ministry and each person watching this as it is in heaven let it be done on earth in the name of Jesus Christ father bring about your goodness and your good will in every way in Jesus name amen amen glory to god father we just ask you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge lord let our hearts right now be fertile soil For the seed, the eternal seed of the word to produce an eternal fruit that will stand and stand even your judgment because we're applying your ways, Lord. Let that fruit begin. Let it be sown, grow and harvested and kept in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. So, welcome to the leadership basic training. Um, these handouts that you have in front of you, they are yours to keep. They'll coincide with what we talk about today. Um, I can I can literally teach what we're talking today from anywhere, from two hours if I speed talk, and uh, to uh, I just finished teaching on this exact same stuff for over ten hours. So, um, we're. If you amen a lot and heavy, it will keep it closer to the two, all right? <laughs> amen, all right. So, if you... <laughs> amen. <laughs> if, you, uh, if you have any questions, definitely write them down. We will answer all the questions. Uh, hold them till I ask you for them, because odds are we're probably going to cover at least a little bit of that question before the end. But but definitely write them down, and you're going to have them. You'll, you'll continue to have questions... This is why we want to have these forums set up once a quarter is so that people can uh, continue to grow in this process and help. And we just want to be a support to you. We don't want anything from you but for you to be great advancers of the kingdom of god that's what we want not only that but we want you to be a carrier of the things of god so that if somebody around you needs to know something about leadership you'll know more about it and you can talk about it with confidence and uh, so pastor Darrell and i had a conversation one time he said brian i this this conversation stuck out in my head he said i knew i was called I knew I had a vision. He said, and I believe that if I would hold up Jesus, if I would lift Jesus up, God would draw all people to me, right? He would draw all people to himself and to the church, and the church would grow. He said, but I've been struggling. And, and my testimony had been... He put it in words that I hadn't put it in yet. Uh, and my, my testimony was the same. And part of that issue is because if we're not prepared... To receive the fruit that God wants to send our way and to to handle it in an efficient and productive manner uh, manner, why would God send more? Why would he, if we're not a prepared by faith, given ourselves to continue to grow, why would he send more? And so Pastor Darrell was saying, Something's not working. When we first went and saw Pastor JB and Pastor Chris, he said, he said, I've been missing this. He said, I've avoided it for the same reason I had. for I didn't want to bring corporate into the church. But I realized this is God... This is the word, and the word will not return void. I need to employ some leadership. I said, Pastor Darrell, that's exactly what I've found too. And uh, it was a piece that I was missing, and I was holding it off on my own accord, but I needed not to do that. And so anyway, these handouts are yours. Um, one of the things that I'll tell you is that the principles that you'll learn in this leadership process today, they will work on the smallest level, even in homes. We apply, Nicole and I apply these principles with our family. Uh, you know, just even in our in just us and the kids. They work in that way. They will also ramp up to the most detailed organization. Uh, all you do is you might customize a little bit. You might have little, uh, little things that you change here and there. And listen, customization... Of this is fine. I would I would suggest if you're getting ready to change something, give us a phone call. Call me, call Pastor Chris, and uh, call Pastor J B. But. Make sure it's good, just like any other time, to you know, seek that spiritual counsel that God provides for you, somebody who's already gone through it and done it, and then before you step into something new. But you can customize a lot of this. What you want to do is see the big picture. All right, here's where we're going. It's probably going to understand is a process. It's probably going to take you some time to get to that place. But that's okay. In the process, uh, this basic training is enough for you to work on for the next three to five years. Seriously. You don't, there's, I'll show you. you. You have this handout. And you'll understand this at the end. But here... This is all different training and teaching diagrams, each one of these little boxes. So what is that? Uh, 32 different diagrams just on these two pages. There's a whole lot of training and teaching beyond what you're going to see today. But you will have enough today... To last you three or five years to just get it in operation and to get some cleaning up done uh, more than likely. Because it's just, it will help you uh, put down this basic training into your organization and into your church. And then you want to get that vision into other people. This it does require a commitment on your part to say, I'm going to do it this way. Because if you say I'm going to do it this way, and then you flounder with it. That's not going to be good for you or your people. But if you say, this is the Lord, this is the Bible, I'm going to do it this way, and you go for it, then you commit to it, you will see that success over time because it's just biblical principles put into action. So do customize. So let's look at this. Uh, Looking at uh, the slide that says, why grow in leadership, it's the third one. It says, why grow in leadership? Well, some of the reasons to grow in leadership is, one, to personally grow and be successful. And let me, let me give this to you as well. Aren't we called, uh, Ron introduced me to the Seven Mountain Strategy by Lance Wallnau. Uh, that basically talks about the fact that there are seven mountains of influence and power in the world, right? And aren't we called to not just run the church or the religion mountain? But aren't we called to basically run this whole earth and take those mountains and let them produce to the glory of God and give resources into the kingdom? You know, Hollywood's not supposed to be running everything. The church is supposed to be overseeing all of this and giving Jesus the power. All right, so if that's the case, then how are we going to teach the people that are sitting in our church that God has given us... How are we going to teach them to be the county commissioner that they need to be if they don't know anything about leadership either? In other words, this is not just for our church. You can raise up corporate leaders in your church that are designed to run things in your area, but they're not going to do it if we don't help teach them in that way. And they definitely won't do it and give God the glory on the way in most cases So this is why grow in leadership. We want to personally be successful in what we do as pastors, but we want to pass this on to other people and let them know that Jesus is the root of their success. Jesus is the root of the rise and the glory that he wants to give to them. Jesus is that root and he's the one who empowers it. He's the one who gets the glory. He's the one that the resource is supposed to go to so that the kingdom of God can be advanced and this thing works the way God actually laid it out in his word. Amen. So why grow in leadership? To personally grow and be successful, to fulfill our purpose and destiny, to increase in efficiency and productivity, to bring success to our organization, to help others meet their purpose and destiny. I know in Boomerang, one of the things I want people to do is not just meet the destiny and the vision that God's given us, but I know they have a destiny in this place. And my job is to help God's plans for them to grow. But how am I going to help them grow up in their business or even in their family if I don't know the principles, if I don't know uh, the advice to give to them? The The next slide says, why grow in leadership? And you see in Matthew 25, 14 through 30, the parable of the talents. And and one of the things that we can pull out of that parable is this, is that burying our potential does not please God. When we take the ability and we bury it, that's not pleasing to God. He says evil, wicked and evil servant, right? We don't want to be that. We want to be well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. So, my question is this Do you have the ability to grow in leadership? Yeah, you're sitting here today. You've got the ability. The Lord asked me this many years ago. He said, He said, Brian, uh, to whom much is given, much is required. He said, How much have you been given? And I went, Oh, Jesus, you gave me everything. You gave me you. I've been given Jesus. Then to whom much is given, which he gave me all. How much is required? All. Every bit of me. Every bit. Well, if you have the ability to grow in leadership and help your people grow in leadership, then I don't see it as having any other option but to be the best that God can, uh, can allow me to be as I give myself to the Lord. Right? Bearing our potential is not pleasing to God. Two, Uh, Let's look at this. Uh, It says on this slide, Jesus set the example for increase. In Luke 2.52, you can see it on your slide. It says, and Jesus kept, he continued, he kept increasing in wisdom and stature, which means maturity, and in favor with God and men. He kept increasing in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. Now Paul said this. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. So he gave us by the Holy Spirit that our job is to follow Christ. And if Christ's example was that even the Son of God did not stop growing, but he kept increasing, then we should follow that same example. We, we have a responsibility to keep increasing in wisdom, in maturity, Right And believe in God for favor with God and men. This is a responsibility of, of the Christian. So it's, it's important. You'll see there as a statement, leadership affects everything. If you think about it, if you just take some time and think about it, leadership affects everything. Leadership touches Everything, even uh, when the devil rebelled against God, leadership stood up and handled the devil, right? He handled it. Leadership touches everything. It affects everything. It can affect it in a good or a negative way, but good leadership always affects it in a good way. So why grow in leadership? Because leadership affects everything, and we need to keep growing like Christ did, amen? Amen. All right. So now look at the next slide and you'll see on this slide as they they put it up. It says, where are you? Where would you rate your leadership ability? Where would you rate your leadership ability? So when you look at this slide, let's say that zero is zero leadership and 10 is Jesus, right? Now this is very important for you to do, and you're going to see why later on. I want you to honestly rate yourself in your leadership ability, where do you think you stand? Are you a 7? Are you an 8? six, four, three? 6, where, where do you think you stand on your ability? So take a second right now and just mark it on there. Mark where you would put your leadership ability. All right. Now that you've marked that, does anybody not have it marked? Amen. See, we're in church. Nobody raise a hand. Amen. <laughs> so, all right. Now, glory to God. Look at this next line: the four kinds of leaders. Four kinds of leaders. You have positional, relational, operational, and developmental. You have four different kinds of leaders. So we one of the things that we want to look at is what kind of leader are we? All leaders will generally fall under one of these four categories. It's important to know the difference and also important to know which ones you have a tendency to move towards. All right, so let's look at them. The first one is a positional leader. Now, this is a leadership that moves by authority. Uh, they lead by their position and title. Many times they'll say stuff like this it's my way or the highway. Why do it? Because I said so, right? <laughs> I'm gonna tell you, this is how I was raised, right? It's also why I was a bad leader, <laughs> right? In the end, this is why I was a bad leader. Now, you got to remember, I was not only taught this way, but then I went into the Marine Corps, and they, like, they, you know, stamped it in, in metal, you know. It was, it was stuck. I had to do some uprooting to get that out of me, and uh, I still have to watch it because if I have a tendency, it probably is this one. Uh, this one is probably the strongest, but you know what, this, that one is probably the majority of our leadership in the world. Uh, many people lead that way by positional leadership. Uh, they are the authority. Um, now, the second one is relational. This, this leader moves by love. Uh, that's what they would say. I'm not going to say that their ways are love. It's just they want everyone to love them. Right. This is one that Nicole, uh, she says, that was me. That was me because she wanted everybody happy, right? Even Jesus, who never did anything wrong, he did not make everybody happy, and not everybody loved him. Matter of fact, they killed him. Right? It doesn't work. They try to be everyone's friend, right? So you see, positional leadership, relational leadership, the third one, operational leader, leader. They're focused on results. They're focused on the bottom line, right? They're trying to meet everybody's needs. They're trying to get it all accomplished. Let's get it accomplished. Did it get done? Good. You know, doesn't matter if we ran over 20 people to get it done. Let's just get it done, right? This is an operational leader, all right? Now, the fourth kind of leader, this is the one we want to be. It's a developmental leader. This is the kind of leader that Jesus was. It deals with replication. Remember, replication is a huge part in the ministry of Jesus. Discipleship, replication, right? Think about this. Jesus developed and replicated himself. You know, mostly what we see is in the disciples. He did it. He was this type of leader... For three and a half years, and he changed the world. We are still living off the power of a developmental leader that was only here for three years. That's the strength of this kind of leader. This is the kind of leader we want to be. One who develops and replicates their selves. All right, now, before we jump in any further, I want us to look at this. Let's look at the next slide, and I want you to see some statements. These statements are very important. Uh, could we ask a question here? Or yeah, go ahead. Um, and let's do this. If you do have a question, uh, we want to catch it on the audio. So oh, there we go. Good. Yeah, I, uh,
1: in, in these different kinds of leaders, oftentimes there are two, a pastor and, and co-pastor yeah uh, who may share two of those uh, types yes uh, they sometimes they oftentimes uh, kind of offset each other, and yep. that kind of works but, but what you want it to come to is that fourth one though I guess is yes, starting.
0: we want to grow to that place where uh, we are operating only really as a developmental Leader And the the benefits in the other pieces of leadership, like getting results, those will be found as we become developmental and move towards that. Yeah, good question. Good question. Um, So if we look at this next one, I want you to look at some uh, statements. Uh, I want you to see here that the first thing, you can't do everything, but you can lead many things. This is very important. You can't do everything. Can you do everything at your church? No. But you can lead many things. It's very important in the leadership process that we're talking about. It's to start to understand that if you are trying to have, if you're going to have to play a part in everything, you're going to very quickly come to the end of your rope. You're going to be burnt out. You're going to be worn out. And you will have no room for growth. And what won't be happening? Replication. You won't have it. You can't do everything, but you can lead many things. Now, you're going to see some of these statements that we make, and then you're going to see them show up in Scripture and those principles uh, later on. Now, one of the things that we want to do is, it says here, make people more valuable. I'm going to change the way that words because uh, I don't want people to think, God has already placed a value on you, and that value is the price of His Son. So what we're really saying is you have a value in productivity and efficiency in the kingdom. And we want to make people more productive and more efficient in kingdom advancement. Right? So make people more productive and efficient. Here's another statement. Don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. Hey, Pastor Ken, come on up here. Don't do it alone. So these are some statements to live by. Don't do it alone. Just because you can do it alone, don't. And we're going to talk about some reasons for that, okay? Don't do it alone. Next one, don't do it for them. Don't do it for them. <laughs> now look at the next one. Don't fix it for them. If all you do is you go in and you say, I'll do it. You are not replicating. And you are immediately limiting the whole work of the ministry to what you have the ability to do. You have boiled your whole ministry down to the number of hours you have in the day. That is not replication. That is not a developmental leader. And you are not multiplying now. You're just trading hours for hours. That's it. Don't do it for them. Don't fix it for them. In other words, uh, just because you can go fix it doesn't mean you should. Now, if you're right in the middle of service and nobody else knows how to do it but you, that's fine. But at some point, you've got to stop and you've got to teach. You're going to see this. Coach, teach, train, and mentor. Don't do your best. Do what it takes. Now, the reason we say this is this. Because most people, particularly in America right now, they think their their best, there's always a limit on it. And we've got to see that God is always leading us to triumph, which is what the word says. And that if he's leading us to triumph, then he will give us what we need to get to the end of it and get to the triumph, get to the victory. I'm going to do what it takes to get to that, right? That means I truly want them to do their best, right? But what, when you say don't do your best, many people in today think, well, I can do this. When truthfully, they, have, they can do so much more. God has designed people to do so much more than what the limit in their mind, the ceiling in their mind says is their best, right? I remember when I was, I used to do uh, uh, run track and field when I was young. And then somehow they asked me to do the long jump. And uh, I wasn't very good at it. I'd never done it before. But I'd go and I'd run as fast as I can and jump, right? There's something about it when we give our all, when we give everything, and uh, one day I was at a meet, and if you did good, you went to the state uh, final or whatever. And uh, I said, you know what, I had learned this principle. Even if you sing, even if you can't sing good, if you kind of go all in with it, you sing a little bit better, right? Well, some people. And, uh, and so, but there, if, you, if you'll go all in, most time, even like if you think about when people are maybe skiing or snowboarding or something like that, if they'll actually get into that lean then they'll actually do better than if they just barely gave themselves to it. Then they're going to fall down. There's so many things like that. Isn't faith like that? Isn't everything with God, give me everything you got, uh, something along these lines, uh, do everything as unto the Lord, right? It's the way of God. And so one of, one of the things that we see is we don't want to do just what's our best. We want to do whatever it takes. So that day I was on the track and field, I go running down, I'm like, I'm gonna give it my all. And I was scared to give it my all because I was thought I might hit my tail, you know. I, I might, I might lay out flat, you know, if I go and I was like, I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna do it once and see how it ends up, right? Man, I gave it my all, like I set records that day because I gave it my all, right? This is what can happen if we'll do it. And we've got to raise, are we called uh, to raise up people who are constantly moved by their flesh? And the limits of their flesh? Or are they supposed to be moved by the unlimited power of God? That's what we got. And so we don't want to tell people, you know, just do your best. Because they've been trained from the time they could understand English and even before. That their best is not the unlimited power of God. They've been trained that their best is all they can do. But see, we have have a God who will take two mites and make it the most, right? This is who God is. So we're not just going to give our best what we think our best is. We're going to do what it takes, right? Don't, Don't do your best. Do what it takes. All right, here's another one. Repetition is the motor of learning. 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 <laughs> repetition, it's amazing how we've already learned that statement just by repetition. There's something that happens. It's, it's interesting because we will go into, we'll graduate from high school. And all of a sudden we think that we don't need repetition anymore. We don't think we need to hear it again. But how did we learn our ABCs? We sang the song over and over and over again. How do we learn the multiplication tables? One times one is one. One times two is two. One times three is three. Every time I do that, I really hope I don't mess that up when I do those. Anyway, so but how did we learn? Why is it that just because we graduated high school or graduated college, all of a sudden we we don't we think we we're bigger than repetition now? But Paul said this. Paul said, "I repeat these things so that when I'm gone." you will still remember them and live them out, right? That's, I'm paraphrasing. But he says, I repeat them to you. It's God to repeat. Didn't he say meditate on this word day and night and then you will make your way successful? Repetition is the motor of learning, all right? Uh, this is a big one. And when I say growth, amen, growth without change, without change is impossible, is impossible right? Say it one more time. Growth? Growth without change is impossible. All right. That's a big one, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. All right. But right now, here's what I want you to see. In doing all of this, in all of this developmental leadership, we're training. This will cost us some time. It'll create some messes. But they'll, in the end, there'll be fewer messes, and we'll be able to do more. So let me ask you, which is better? Let's say that we had some responsibility to do. Let's say that all of you are very new at all of these responsibilities. And so what's the odds of, if I passed out one responsibility to each person, what's the odds of you messing it up and creating some kind, some semblance of a mess? Probably pretty high, right? Correct. So what would we have? We'd have a little mess for each person. Is that doable? Even if all of you do it at the same time, can't we clean it up and, and, you know, it doesn't cause the world to end, right? But what if I took all those responsibilities on me? You had none. And now, under the weight of all those responsibilities, I crack. And I have all of those responsibilities in one big, big mess. That's how you sink ministries. So what we've decided to do is, is and you'll see this in the Word, that we we're, we're, might create some smaller messes, but they're manageable. They're also teaching moments. They're discipleship because you hand over these, these issues and these responsibilities to individuals. However... It's a lot easier to clean up a lot of little messes than one leader imploding because he's trying to do it alone. It's so much easier. So much easier. And so that's what we're doing. Let's talk about process. So uh, as we're we're doing this, I want to, uh, you'll see in front of you a little sheet of paper that has a whole bunch of numbers on it. Everybody hold that up when you got it. Okay. Here's what I want you to do. Put that sheet of paper in front of you. Okay. And uh, uh, do they have one or two there, Priscilla? Just one? Let's get, let's get one for each one. Uh, now, what I want you to do, I'm going to time you and uh, you're going to have one minute. And what you're going to do is you're going to go on that, on that piece of paper and you're going to circle in order. One, two, three, four, five. So don't look at it now. Don't be cheating. Look up here. Uh, I saw you. I saw you. Everybody's like, pull. <laughs> All right. All right. Look up here. Yeah. You're going to go as high as you can. You're going to go as high as you can in one minute's period of time. Are you ready? Who's going to win? <laughs> All right. On your mark. Get set. Go. Hands. They're going after the one, then the two, then three. All right, coming around the corner. <laughs> Shh, be quiet, I'm trying to win. <laughs> now we know who the competitor is. I was wondering. <laughs> 30 seconds. 30 seconds. This is one of my favorite exercises. <laughs> 15 seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. Done. Pins up. All right, all right, all right. How high did you get? What, who got over 5? Raise your hand. If you got over 10, keep it up. 15? 20? All right, so what was the highest number? Who was over, anybody over 20? Who was, who was over fifty? huh? 17? 15? 15? What What'd you get, Mr. Carl? <laughs> 15. 15? 12. 12. That's awesome. That's really good. That's really good. Now, haven't you heard me already talk about this as a leadership process? This is a process. Now, I want you to see this. When we're talking about process, look at this, the next slide, which shows process. It says, it's a series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end. A series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end. Now, I want you to take that new piece of paper with the numbers on it. And if you'll look at it closely, there's some little tick marks in the center. From top to bottom and left to right. So if you will fold that paper in four quadrants. Fold that paper like this. So see the little center marks? Just fold it. Center mark to center mark. Like that. So you just have a little folded line there. And then, so you've done it top to bottom. Now do it left to right. A series of actions or steps. So when you fold it along those lines, you'll notice that the folds will cut the whole thing into four quadrants. All right. Now... If you'll notice, I'm gonna give you a process, a series of actions or steps, and this thing will become much easier. If you'll notice, the number one is in the left quadrant, left top, number two is in the right top, it goes clockwise, three is in the bottom right, four, and it follows that clockwise pattern. So now get ready, we're gonna do it again. Ready? On your mark. You sit, go. So each number that comes up next will be in the next quadrant clockwise. 30 seconds. 15 seconds. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. Four, three, two, one. All right, good job. Awesome. All right, now, who got higher than they got last time? Amen. Most everybody got higher. Why? Because there was a series of steps and actions taken in a process. When you understand that there's a process behind something, then you can become more efficient and more productive. How high? How many got over 20 this time? How many? 25. 30. 35. How many did you have? 34. So we're looking at almost doubling the number. He started early. Did he cheat? Oh, you should have flagged him earlier. I'd have called him. I'm, I'm sorry about that. But see, when you understand, yeah, line is the next class. That'll be the next form, all right? So, You'll see that when we have a process, we can become more efficient and more productive. But it's, we have to be given to that process. If we don't see the process or we're not given to the process, then we will, can be very ineffective, inefficient, and unproductive. So a process is very, very important. We need to understand those processes. So now let's look at this. Remember what I said, growth? Without change is impossible. All right, let's try it again. Growth? Without change
1: is impossible.
0: Amen, that's good. Because you want to get this in your mind. Let's look at this stair step slide. It says change is a necessity. When you look at this slide on the bottom left, this is you today. In the top right, you have your destiny. This is the plan. He knew the plans he had for you. You want to partner with God and reach that destiny. You want to get to that place. But you'll notice that, listen, if you don't grow and move in God's plan, you are never going to hit your destiny. You're never going to hit it. But you'll notice, if you look at the next slide, that every time that we'll reach a new level... It kind of plateaus there for a while. But then all of a sudden, if you don't change, you're not going to grow. You are not going to have growth in your church without change. Man, are we seeing that ever today because churches have not changed. we plateaued and everybody's like, why aren't people coming to my church? Then all of a sudden they're going, well, what can I do to attract them? Now we're going about it completely opposite of the Bible. We're not trying to attract the worldly things. We're we're giving them Jesus and they're deciding to serve him and be strong, mature believers. But because we didn't change in our own personal lives and as leaders of the church, we tried to circumvent the process that God had. We've got to realize that we are not going to grow without change that doesn't mean that we change the message. It means we've got to change personally. We've got to grow personally. We've got to continue to increase in wisdom and maturity with God. We've got to say, Lord, all right, this is what you were doing. You know, a lot of people today, they have words up on the screen. But it wasn't always like that. I grew up, we always had hymnals, right? Before the, guess what? They didn't always have hymnals. Hymnals were a change, Right? And they grew some with that environment, but it, we have to say, what are the things you want me to change so that we can continue to grow, Father? Growth without change is impossible. At each step, if you look at this, we have to see in order to get to our destiny, we have to have growth. And in order to move into that growth, we have to have change. We must have change. Now, you can write this down. There are three different types of people. If you don't understand this, this is going to make the leadership process very difficult and church as well. Three different types of people. Number one, those who resist change. That's the majority. <laughs> I know y'all know that. I know you try to lead people to change the way they've been doing. Like, all right, you just actually need to go to the Bible first. Not, not you know... Sister Susie Q, you, don't, stop asking her, who's all tied up in the world, don't know Jesus about how to live your life. you got to go to the Bible. But they've been going to Sister Susie Q for so long, that requires change on their part. They don't want change. They resist change. This is, and we have to become the kind of people that we are not also as leaders resisting change, or else we're going to become the kind of people who don't grow. And we will then teach our congregations how to not grow too. Because they're only going to do what they see us do. It is a rare individual that will grow beyond their leader. I mean a rare individual. They are going to grow as you grow. And that means that if you don't change, they're not going to change. They, I mean, think about it. How many, how many of us know you want to change the color of the carpet? Whoo! You want to talk about a fight? You want to talk about a fight? That's the way a lot of churches have been been taught. Instead of teaching their people to accept change and grow with it. I had somebody just last night. They said, how are you so patient? I was like, well, just practice, you know. They were watching. I had learned how to flow with the things of God and trust the Lord, but it took some practice to change and be willing to change even in step and, and you know have this beautiful dance with the Father and the Holy Spirit showing me exactly how to weave our way through all the pitfalls and all the traps that the enemy, and we just get to the other side with a smile on our face so gracefully, full of grace. Because we're willing to change. I don't have to go in a direct route. I just have to say, oh, we got blown over here by the Holy Ghost. He's got some kind of plan. He's ordering my steps. I change with him. <laughs> Amen. So the second kind of person is one who tolerates change. Okay, I'll change. If <laughs> you <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> They're not necessarily happy about it, but they tolerate it. We want to be the third kind, which is we embrace change. We embrace it. Now, you notice I'm not talking compromise. You don't compromise the word of God or the preaching of God. But there are things that God will tell us to change with. That he'll move us to different change. And when the biggest thing is us changing ourselves and growing ourselves up and teaching other people to grow with it. How would anybody grow in discipleship? I mean, how would they grow at all if they never gave themselves to change? They would still be baby Christians, but the Word says you should be meat. You should have already given yourself to change, Christian. You know, you should have already done that. Well, that doesn't stop just because we get the title pastor, you know, or or anointed or ordained by God. That doesn't stop. Just like repetition is the motor of learning, just because you know we graduated high school or college, that doesn't mean that repetition stops. We have to continue to grow and continue to change. And we as leaders, we have to lead that. We must lead that or else our people will never step into it. And what we'll have is a whole bunch of baby Christians who are irritating the mess out of you. And that's not where we're supposed to be. They're actually supposed to be... They're supposed to do the work of the ministry. Well, pastor, how come you ain't gone to the hospital yet to see such and such? How come you ain't gone? You... Don't you have Jesus in you? Aren't you called to be a minister of God to the fullness, to the work, fullness of the stature of Christ, to do the work of the ministry? How come you're not at the hospital? Well, I got to work. How come you're not believing God to give you some time? You've gone to that same job for 30 years and you're not even believing by faith to have a free moment? So, this. Can you see how all of a sudden this thing gets turned around on us and all the pressure and responsibility gets put on us and there's not a whole bunch of little messes. There's one big mess because the leader implodes and it really comes back to us. Everything's affected by leadership. You realize, I remember, I remember, I remember. We got a hold of this. Remember, don't do it alone. And, and basically it's just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. As a pastor, I can take out the trash. And I still will. But just because I can doesn't mean I should. So I remember one of the first times it was in the old building. I went. Sunday service is over. I grabbed the trash bag. And, and one of my elders said, Pastor, put that down. Because they had learned some of this. I was like, whoop. <laughs> I, I was, he said, don't ever do that again you got a team, you need to be administering to the people. You need to be talking to the people. It's right after service. And I was like, he is right. And I had to change. And you know what? I didn't like it. It, I didn't, it didn't feel good to me to do that. But now we got stuff going on. And I that people asking certain questions, I don't have a clue. Because I don't touch that stuff anymore. And it gives me the ability to do what I'm called to do. To do those things. That doesn't mean that I can't pick up a piece of trash. I can. But let me give you an example of this. Recently, we just had a a couple to get married, Uh, Sherman. Sherman, uh, he works back there. He comes in on Sunday morning. Everybody wants a Sherman. Say, say, dear Lord, give me a Sherman. And uh, (laughs) give me a bunch of them, right? Sherman comes in before Sunday, every Sunday. And he turned everything on. He gets all the equipment up and going. And by the time we step in here for prayer at 9 a.m., right, it's all running. It's going. It's, it's ready to click the record button. And it is awesome. Like, this is, it's great. Sherman's awesome. But he just recently got married. Well, while he was on this honeymoon, he had taught some people what to do. But while he was on this honeymoon, we had a couple issues that only he knew how to fix. Because up till that point, he had done it alone. And we've been talking about, but he hadn't gotten to that area yet, right? But he had done it alone. Just because you can do it alone doesn't mean you should, right. right? Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Right. I, I want to tell you my favorite example of this uh, that you know, Nicole's going to love. This is her favorite example that I use in this whole teaching. Amen. Love you, baby. <laughs> so over and over again, because this was Nicole. You know, I'm in the office working at home. I hear the buzzer go off. Oh, Nicole's home. She just went to the grocery store. Let me get let me get some stuff together. Before I can get to the door, before I can even get there to help her, here she comes, 40 bags, grocery bags, going through the door <laughs> like this. You know, getting in the door, right? And I was like, stop doing that. Don't do that. Just because you can do it alone doesn't mean that you should, right? And so, and, and it, now she doesn't do that anymore, but it went on for you know, a few years. And um, so, but she would grab almost everybody. I'm like, just because you can carry 20 doesn't mean you should make extra trips. You got kids, <laughs> they're a gift from God. <laughs> Use them you got I'll come and help you but I, I do have to say one time uh, the Lord said I got, I got I'll, the Lord said let her let her because won't the Lord let you and I know she was probably mad at her husband that night but I had you know I had to do what the Holy Ghost said he said let her But that began the awakening of, I shouldn't do this like this all the time. And praise God that she's humble enough to receive that. And she wasn't real mad at me, but it it got her attention. And and I think that was the beginning of, all right, just because I can do it alone doesn't mean I should. So in our church, one one of the things we try to do, and we don't have this perfect jet either, but we try to have at least two people at every position that know, you know, if there's something to do with that video, I want at least two people that know everything to do. If it's with the audio, I want at least two people because just because they can do it alone, that doesn't mean I want them to, right? We're training people. We're growing these people. Now, if you look at this, uh, you'll see on the next slide, in order to change, you know, if we're going to grow, we have to have change. Growth without change is impossible, Growth without change is impossible. So if we're going to grow, we have to have change. If we're going to change, we have to face reality. We must face reality. There's two things that promote change, crisis and revelation. You are not going to change if you don't face reality. Now, you can get reality through revelation, Either one, you can, like today, you can listen to somebody who's gone through this process and you know, they might be a step ahead, but you can very quickly get to that place as well because you can get revelation that I already have and you can jump that. You can jump some of those steps. Or you can read in your Word and you can see uh, some of the fruit of the Spirit to live by. And you're going to have revelation that will be facing reality. All right, judge myself so that I'm not judged. And now I can change without hitting a crisis. But most of the time people, they don't embrace change. They tolerate it or they resist it. And so what ends up happening is crisis comes and it brings about a reality. Crisis generally shows a need for growth and change. Generally, when you hit a crisis, it's showing the need for growth and change. And so what you want to do is, but that's not necessarily a bad thing if you're willing to change. All right, we have a crisis. We have an issue. We have a problem. How do I get to the change that I need? How do I get to the growth? At least you can let a crisis say, hey, there's something going on. For example, the disciples in the boat, the storm comes up. Jesus comes out on there. I mean, they were scared for their lives. Think about how cruel and heartless it sounded in our environment, in our American society today. Why didn't you have any more faith? Don't you know their flesh was going, because we were going to die, Jesus. (laughs) Because they were scared for their life. But see, they can do one, one of two things. at this. They can either humble themselves and say, why did he ask that question? And say, obviously, I've hit a crisis point. I have some revelation because I've got somebody with me that understands something bigger than I do. I can either get some revelation here or the next time on the boat, I will die because Jesus isn't with me. So if we will face the revelation or we'll face the crisis and we'll decide to change, we can say, maybe I can get my faith to a higher level. Maybe I can walk this thing out. Growth without change is impossible, but we don't change without facing reality. That means we can't just look at numbers in the chairs or or do we have a good deposit on Sunday and say that's success. we got to face reality. Or else we will very quickly stale get stale and stagnant, and then we'll wonder how did we get here? Because we didn't face reality. All right. So now looking at the next slide, in order to face reality, one of the things that we want to look at is that I and P equals O. This is issues and problems equals opportunity. Issues and problems equals opportunity. Now, this is a verse that we're looking at, uh, 2 Corinthians 2.14. You can write that down. 2 Corinthians 2.14. It says this. It says, But thanks be unto God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ. In the King James it says, Who always causes us to triumph in Christ. Uh, who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Man, there's so many absolutes in that verse. Thanks be unto God, who always leads me in triumph in Christ. Triumph and manifest. He brings it into a reality. The knowledge of him in every place. Right? This is a great verse. At what point is God ever leading you to defeat? Never. That's a promise. Now the question is, do we take him by the hand? Because he leads us to triumph in Christ. So are we taking Jesus by the hand? So that victory is then in our hands to either follow his lead or not. But then you also have uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 where it says, No temptation is given unto man. That, in other words, man is capable in every situation because God is faithful. And God will provide a way of escape also. In other words, so a lot of times when we come up to an issue or problem, here's what we do. Oh my gosh. Why am I facing this again with deaconess so and so? I thought we had gotten this behind us. Oh my goodness, I am so tired of hitting this problem. Right? And so the issue and problem will come up and we'll be frustrated more than we will be, thanks unto God, who's always leading us to triumph. But see, when we start to let those words become a reality to us, then we realize that if I'm facing an issue or a problem, I'm facing a temptation to lose my faith or to lose my witness, right? I'm that's every situation. If I'm facing a situation, God is faithful. And he will provide the way of escape. But it's not just neutral escape. This is the victory. This is the triumph. So in other words, I can hit an issue or a problem and I'm not faced by it anymore because I know it, it's going to be okay. You know, it's the same thing with the disciples in the boat, right? They, they, you, have, you have the same situation, but you have two different people in that boat. One is fearing for their life and the other is bringing peace to the storm. Because one had their focus on the issue and problem, and the other had their focus on the opportunity and the word from the Lord, let us go to the other side. So how you approach issues and problems has everything to do with whether or not you move them into opportunities or not, or move them into triumph, right? So this, this comes back to, are we living by this word or not? So when we start putting on that kind of hope, A joyful, confident expectation in Christ. We can move into an issue and problem and all of a sudden we got opportunities popping up everywhere. Opportunities to change. Opportunities to grow. Opportunities to get more efficient, more productive. But it it all comes back down to what's the leader doing? What does he believe? Like I could just get up here and say that. But it's different when you know I believe it. You you can feel I believe what I'm telling you and I've watched this play out. But if I just got up here and I talked you through it, you'd be like, well, he didn't really believe it. And, And you go into Romans 10 and it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Well, the context of that is the word preached, right? The context is the word preached. In other words, here's the other thing. Is faith a mental understanding or is it something spiritual? Faith is spiritual. So faith doesn't come by you getting a mental understanding. This is These things are spiritually discerned, not mentally discerned. It doesn't come. So now what we're talking about is the person that gets up in front, you pastors, you get up in front, and you start preaching by the faith that is yours, that you have made yours. God is always leading me to triumph. Then all of a sudden you release and impart the spiritual faith that believes that to be true. And now you've got a whole congregation that starts to believe issues and problems equal opportunities, not problems and issues. right? And now what happens when you have the mess on Sunday morning and they don't know what's going wrong with the the computer, you don't have people melting down, you have people that are stepping up. Oh, this is going to be all right. Look how God will work this. Look at what God will do. And it, but it starts with us. It starts with us. We've, we've got to step up into that place. We've got to know that. So issues and problems don't equal issues and problems. They equal opportunity. No matter how you cut it, it's going to help us get better, more efficient, more productive. And even it's like when I told you that this process, this leadership process pushes the dust off and it exposes the holes. Well, now you've got, you've got to think about this. Up to this point where you didn't see the holes, there was a glass ceiling. But when we revealed the holes, we shattered the ceiling and we opened up your potential for growth. You see that? So we've got to stop looking at them as being issues and problems. This is how we're going to grow. Because we're going to get some of these things in line. We're going to become more efficient. We're going to become more productive in our leadership. Amen. 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 So let's look at the next one. Would y'all like to take a break? Let's do that. Let's take five minute break. Uh, put that slide, the main slide up. Let's take five minutes. Come right back. All right, all right, glory to God. Have you gotten some stuff already? Yeah, amen, amen, glory to God. So what we're going to do next is we're going to look at the next slide here, the process of leadership, okay? So we'll look at the process of leadership, and you see here that you have, number one, the process of leadership, number one is mental ascent. This is what we know. Then you have number two, application. This is actually doing it, doing what we know. Then number three is teaching. This is what we pass on. So the process of leadership is learning what we should do, then actually doing it. And then teaching it. Now, which leader are we talking about if we actually successfully do this? We're talking about the developmental leader, the one who replicates themselves. But first thing we have to know is what to do. Maybe it's what to do in the Word, maybe it's the vision that God's given you for your ministry, right? But this is generally not the issue for most leaders or pastors. Generally, they know what to do or they have a good idea of what to do. The process of leadership, you'll notice that there's a gap there. There's a gap in between part one and part two. Because taking what we know to do and actually getting it done, that's where leadership takes place. (laughs) right? I know all y'all know that well. All right. Hey, guys, we actually need to forgive the person in the seat next to you on Sunday morning. I need for you to come in here with some expectation like, oh, yeah, we heard you say that last week, Pastor. (laughs) Right. I need for you to get to the place where you do it and then you actually grow up and teach somebody else to do it. Right. Right. So this is where leadership takes place. This is. Uh, Sometimes people have said this is the largest gap in the world. Now, think about this. So here's what we're talking about. Let me put it in this way. If you have, like, teenagers, they know that they should have their room clean. (laughs) But actually getting them to the point where they do the cleaning of the room, this is the process of leadership is actually getting through that process, right? Right. And so here's the other thing. But before we jump on our teenagers too bad, you know, here's something else. Like we know we should eat well and maybe exercise every now and then. But now, see now we're getting in our business, right? And but actually doing that is a different thing. This is the process. Oh, I need to back off of that. I'm oh, sorry. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he said, What happens here, Steve? Yeah. So, this is the process of leadership. Yes, sir? This is real quick. Pastor Medley says, This coming from the guy that gives us brownies. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for the support. He, he goes, This coming from the guy who brought dessert in and brownies. Actually, that was Priscilla. I didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Amen. So this is, this is what we need to do, and this is the process of leadership. Don't you have some people in your church that you know should be doing more? It's our job to move them from what they even know they should be doing to the point of actually doing it, but not even stopping there, but getting to the place where they duplicate themselves, where they develop others. We're not the only ones called to develop others. We're to teach developmental leaders ...that will then replicate themselves. They won't be positional leaders, right? They won't be all the other leaders. They'll be developmental leaders like Jesus was... ...and they will duplicate and replicate themselves. What if you have replication, you know, kind of happening downstream... ...and you're not touching it at all? This is church discipleship. This is discipleship. You need the mic or just one? Okay. yeah
1: the ones that are picking up on yes. hold on just, hold on just i want you to say that it's important. Yes, that's right. yeah. i said in just a short time that i have uh picked up this this leadership uh training yes. and, and implemented it in the ministry yes the ones that actually begin to do yes what they know the lord wants them to do yes they're they're the ones that have, have the most joy yes in the ministry yes. and they bring it when they come you don't have to stir it up in them they bring it because they have found something that they can do as unto the Lord.
0: That's that's one of the principles that the Lord gave us from the beginning. At boomerang is why don't you just hold that if anybody has if you'll jump up and give it to him so you can give it here. <laughs> Man, did y'all see that look? That's the look all your church members give you on Sunday morning, right there. See, don't do it for them. I I ain't got time to teach you today.
1: Now go sit down. <laughs> oh man
0: thanks for the help Pastor (laughs) Darrell um That's one of the things that we really started boomerang on. One of the statements that the Lord gave us from the beginning was find your joy again and really live. That was one of our statements. But then the Lord very quickly asked me this. Can anybody be in actual joy if they're not doing the things God asked them to do? They might be in happiness, but it's not true joy because they're not fulfilling what God's planted on the inside of them to be. So if I'm not serving the king and advancing the kingdom and being who God's, I'm not going to have the joy. But if I'll do those things, I'll step into some joy. And our people are missing joy because they're not being who God's called them to be. Honestly, because we haven't been the leaders we're called to be. Honestly. And I I needed to face that reality because I needed to change in order for me to grow. And when I did, I found that the Lord was right there with me. I didn't have everything I needed, but if I gave him what I had, he would bring the rest, and he would complement everything I needed and bring in the rest. Amen? All right. So this is what we're doing as leaders. Uh, We need to be about closing this gap. We need to be about the process of taking what we know to do learning more things that we should do, adding to that list, but then actually getting people to the place where they're doing that, but then not only that, but they're teaching others, they're replicating. So a leader's job here is to recognize what needs to happen, prioritize what needs to happen, and then mobilize people to do it, right? So we recognize and we prioritize. That's in the what we know, right? We learn what we know, and then we seek the wisdom of God and bring in what we know. And then we want to move into mobilization. This is what leadership does. Now, what I'm, we're giving, especially here at the beginning, is a lot of foundational elements that in the end it's going to all draw together, and you'll see the big picture of how to do this. All right? So the process of leadership is closing that gap. The process of leadership is Closing that gap. Now I want you to look at this slide here where you see on the side the steps one through seven. And I want you to see uh, that we always need to be thinking about closing this gap. And this is where leadership actually happens. We need to get to mobilization and then replication. We need to get to that place. Now if you look at this, you'll see we see the goal. Here's the steps in it. We see the goal, we face reality, crisis, by either crisis or revelation. We recognize, prioritize, and mobilize the team. We take issues and problems and turn them into opportunities. This is what happens when we mobilize. We apply, we have application of those things, and then we teach what we applied. That's the process of leadership. It's the steps that we will move through. Now, you'll see that this, that's the process of leadership. You'll see that we get to that place through some other processes that we break down. The next slide being be in the Proverbs process. In the Proverbs process, Isaiah eleven two. 2. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, and the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Now I underline uh, these specific ones because this is the know. This is the know-how. So you'll look at the next slide and you'll see the Proverbs process and you'll see in the first column on the left Isaiah eleven two, And you'll see there that it says this is empowered. We're empowered by God with the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge. Never do I need to go into the meeting only bringing my own logic and my own experience. I need the empowerment of God. I can go, look, if I go in and try to solve something and I'm not drawing on the empowerment of God, that's the answer. That's the eternal. Everything I come up with just out of my logic and experience and man's ways, it's all going to fade away. It's subject to change, right? Right? But it's God's things, setting my eyes on things above, that will stand. Those are the things that are eternal. I need the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of revelation, the Spirit of knowledge. So when we enter into a team meeting, right, uh, we sit down. One of the first things, you heard me pray it today. Lord, bring to us the Spirit of wisdom, revelation, and knowledge. We need your supernatural, heavenly wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. We need to see the things you see. That's we're empowered that way. Now, look, I'm not just talking about pastors. Don't we need these same things downstream into into our children's ministry? Don't we need it? I mean, all the way down into the nursery. Don't we need a spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge down there too? This is empowerment by God. So, I'm gonna. I know I got a bunch of preachers in the room. (laughs) <laughs> I I'm ass.
2: I just Go wanted ahead. to say that as a pastor yeah. when I first saw this this actual point of it really really stood out to me Pastor yes. Ryan, Um because I think that that's one of the major major hard obstacles for us as leaders to get over yes. because we have it in our mindset the way that we've done it this way and again the module growth without change is impossible yes. um, if we don't ever really apply that principle that, okay, hold on, wait a minute. I've been doing it this way for X amount of time and it really hasn't worked. Yes. Let me try this. Let me do this. So that I can really, again, change my thinking so that the Holy Spirit can give me wisdom, can give me knowledge that I can move on and go. And I just really, this part just really made a lot of sense to me in the time that I've seen it.
0: Well, and this is part of, thank you, April. This is one of the things that happens we come up to a place. We hear the spirit of wisdom, revelation, and knowledge. And, and all of a sudden a service or an event works. And so we go into the next service or the next event with the fresh bread of yesterday, not realizing that today it's stale. Right? And so we need fresh, we need daily bread. That means every time we go into it. So how many churches you know, they're still living on a move they had 10 years ago, thinking that the people are going to be at the same place. The people have moved on. The flock has moved. You need to hear from God today. We need to follow the cloud, right? So this is why we need the empowerment of God and not just going off. That may have been a godly experience. But it is not God today. That was good and God then, but it's only good today because God, the clouds moved, and we need fresh revelation, knowledge, right? Understanding. Does that make sense? And a lot of times we rely on what worked last week. And last week ain't good enough. God's got something bigger and better for you today. The steps of the righteous get brighter and brighter. Amen? Y'all pulling some preach out. No, yeah, yeah, amen. So in this Proverbs process, you see that you're going to look at these columns. Let's look at this slide here. And you see empowered in uh, Isaiah eleven two. You see that column says empowered. Then you see the fruit. And then you see the how. And then you see the leader's work and the team's work. Okay? You see the fruit, the how, the leader's work and the team's work. All right, so you're going to see that we pull in the empowerment of God. Doesn't God want to give us that? Doesn't he want to give us that? All the time, yeah. So then he wants to bring us to a fruit and a house. So let's look at that. And then we're going to see that there's a difference between the work that a leader does and that the team does. So the next part in the Proverbs process, remember process, a series of steps or actions to get to a desired result, right? A Proverbs process. This is Proverbs 24, 3 and 4. By wisdom, a house is built By understanding it is established and by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. So what you see in here is when you have wisdom, understanding and knowledge, it builds the house, it establishes it, it makes it strong and it fills it with every good thing, right? So this is the fruit of wisdom, knowledge and understanding that the Lord desires to give us filled with riches, established and built. Right? Alright, hold on one second. So uh, Proverbs twenty three twenty three says this, buy truth and do not sell it, get wisdom and instruction and understanding. Get it. He commands us to get it. Well, if He commands us to get it, this is Proverbs 23, 23, if He commands us to get it, doesn't doesn't that mean that it's available? So if we're not asking for it and not believing him for it, do we really believe, believe that it's out there for us? No. So we've got to make sure that we know that he told us to get it. We know that it's available, right? We don't waver in our faith. And when we ask for it, he's going to get it. In James 1, of course, he says, If you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and without reproach. And then this, I love it because this is where he says in James 1, this is where he says that don't waver on it. Because a man who wavers like, like a boat, a wave, toss to and fro, right? In other words, if there's ever anything you can trust that God's going to give you when you ask for it, it's wisdom. It's knowledge, it's understanding. But I've been in meetings with pastors a bunch of times. I, I was in one one time. And uh, they, they had been discussing an issue for two years. And it was something, most of them were this way on it, and I was this way on it. And uh, I was kind of standing alone, me and one or two other guys, but the majority of them were this way. But all they did was talk about it for two years and produce nothing. And these were ministers. And I said, hey guys, I said, let's, uh like, you know, I, I wasn't completely like this, but this is what I was thinking. Let's like, uh, you know, pray. <laughs> Let's do something crazy like that, you know? They laughed at me and did not pray. They laughed at me. I was like, hmm, so that's why I'm here. <laughs> that's why you told me to be in this meeting, because I didn't want to be there. I was like, okay. So they seriously, they laughed at me. They giggled and did not pray. I think that even though we find that funny, we still do it sometimes, honestly. We just move in experience. We move in our own logic and we forget to, all right, let's ask the Lord about this because he wants to give us this. Yeah. So the Proverbs process, look at this same verses but in the Living Bible. Any enterprise is built by wise planning. It becomes strong through common sense. And profits wonderfully by keeping abreast of the facts. Now if you go back into the next slide, the Proverbs process, you see that the empowered, we're empowered by knowledge, understanding, wisdom. The fruit is filled with riches, established and built. You see that how we do it is through facts, common sense and a wise plan. A lot of times I think when we get to this place though what we do is we result to the worldly way that we've been taught instead of remembering that God wanted to empower us with all these things. This is not just worldly logic and wisdom. This is pulling on the power, supernatural things of God, right? That's what's going to help us build, be built, established, and filled. So then we go back and you see in the process of leadership, that our job is to recognize, prioritize, and mobilize. This is the work of the leader. And so when you step to that next slide, you see that what we do is this. We ask the Lord for knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. The Lord wants to build our house. He wants to establish it, make it strong so that when the winds blow, it doesn't blow down. He wants to fill it with riches. How does He do that? Because He gives us a wise plan. He gives us common sense. He shows us the facts, right? And then what we do as leaders in this slide is we recognize the facts that He gave us. We recognize those things. We prioritize. What would be prioritizing? When we prioritize, we're coming up with a wise plan. We're coming up with a plan based on the empowerment that God gave us, based on the facts, right? We recognize, we prioritize, and that gives us the ability to mobilize. But we've got to have God's plan on it. We must have God's plan. I think we would all agree with all this as a good reminder to go about it his way. All right, but now let's look at the team's work. So that's the leader's work. Let's look at the team's work. You'll notice on on that process of leadership, we recognize, prioritize, and mobilize, but they will then take issues and problems and turn them into opportunities. Remember, when we're moving towards growth, we must what? Change. Growth without change is impossible, right? So we've got to have change, but how do we change? We must change by facing reality, And facing reality comes through either crisis or revelation, right? So what we do is we seek the Lord for revelation. If we happen to come up upon a crisis, we seek Him for the revelation, for the empowerment through His wisdom and understanding. And then all of a sudden, He will give us the things that we need to bring about the change that's necessary. He will take an issue or a problem. He'll take something. He'll reveal to us a hole in our ministry. Or we'll come up into a crisis and that will reveal the hole. And all of a sudden, all right, Lord, we're at the place. I know that you're leading all of this to opportunity. Show me the plan. Show me the plan. But see, this needs to not just be happening in the pastor or in the leader. This needs to be happening at every level in the ministry. Every person in there. Can you imagine the strength of a ministry ministry when the person that's rocking the baby in the nursery sees an issue and problem and knows what to do with it? How strong is that ministry now? It's been replicated. It's been duplicated. Not only that, but in the process of getting that person to that place, I promise you, discipleship opportunities will abound. (laughs) Amen. All right, so we want to take those issues and problems. We want to recognize, prioritize, and mobilize. We want to take those issues and problems and turn them into opportunities. Now, we want to look now. Let's turn to Acts chapter 6. This is one of my favorite parts of this. So we want to look at this slide. We'll be on it for a little bit. And it is the need for teams. I want to show you that it is imperative for you to have teams in your ministry. It is biblical. It's Jesus, y'all, for you to have teams. (laughs) It's Jesus, right, for you to have teams. And it doesn't matter what size it is, what size organization it is. You want to start the process and getting people to think like that at the beginning of it. No matter what size it is. You need teams. And let's look at it from a biblical perspective. Acts chapter 6 verse 1 through 7 says, now at this time the disciples were increasing in number. A complaint arose on the part of Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, it's not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. So what do you have? You've got an issue. And a problem. And when you break down issues and problems, a lot of times there's an issue that's existing that leads to the problem, that leads to the crisis, so to speak. The issue was, at this point, they were kind of trying to do everything. It They weren't able to do everything. That was the issue. Then the problem rose in the complaints. Now, they have a choice. Is this an issue and a problem, or is it an opportunity? This is an opportunity. Lord... What do you want us to do? So they seek the Lord. They, they hear this from the Lord. Hey, we're not supposed to leave the word of God. We're not, this is neglect if we do it. So he says, It's not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. Just a side note. These people were put in charge of wiping tables and overseeing it. And they needed to be full of the Holy Ghost. We all need leaders that aren't full of the Holy Ghost. We need leaders that are full of the Holy Ghost. I know all y'all know that. But we need it. And I want to remind you because it's easy to put somebody in there because you have a need. But we need to make sure that we stay biblical in order to carry out the mandates God's given us. All right. So he says, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. They need to have some wisdom whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The statement found approval with the whole congregation and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit and of, and Philip uh, and all these guys. Amen. Verse 6. And these they brought before the apostles and after praying they laid hands on them. Now a lot of times people see right here that it was they take this and kind of look at it as congregational vote but these guys see it says and they brought them before the apostles the apostles then said yes we agree with you and and they didn't lay hands on them suddenly we know they're not supposed to do that but they agreed and they anointed them they were it was through the apostles through the leadership that they were approved not just because the congregation voted on them and the word of god kept on spreading What was the opportunity now? The word kept on spreading and the number of disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. So they had an issue. They had a problem, but they turned it into opportunity. Why? Because they pulled on the wisdom of God, right? And they continued. Here's, Here's what I want you to see out of this, the biggest thing right here. The mandate that God has for you is bigger than just you or it ain't a mandate from God. You need teams. If your mandate and if your vision can be done by you, it is too small and you have not heard all of God's voice, I can promise you. If the mandates and goals are not bigger than you, they are not worth doing. If they are bigger than you, you need teams. If the mandate's bigger than you, then you've got to have people that will help. And don't you know, all throughout the whole word, all throughout the Bible, what happened? God would give a man or a woman a vision, and then he would draw people to that person. That's the way it works. It's the example. He gives somebody a vision, and he draws a team. And then that team generally would have teams in it. We need teams in order to accomplish what God's given us. Now, let's look at this, Exodus 17, 8 through 13. Exodus 17, 8 through 13. Then Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose men for us and go out. Fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will station myself on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand, Joshua did as Moses told him and fought against Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up on top of the hill. So it came about when Moses held his hand up that Israel prevailed. And when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. Then they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands one on one side and one on the other. Thus his hands were steady until the sun set. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. This story has so much in it, right? One of the first things is that we see this. What did they do? What did they pull up for Moses, right? They pulled up a stone. I mean, it don't get really much more anti-spiritual than a rock, right? I mean, a, a physical rock, right? A stone. That, I mean... If I set a rock on the stage, I'm not sure that anybody would walk in and fall out on Sunday morning because I just set a rock up there. It's not much spiritual about it just sitting there. But you'll find that what we do while we're ambassadors in this earth, we are always called to partner the heavenly with the natural. We're the connection between those two. And we draw on the things of the natural, and we bring in the supernatural, and it turns into the victory of God. There was not, there was, it was very natural for Him to sit on a rock, but that rock helped support the victory. So God will give you natural things, you just got to know what to do with them. In other words, He will even give you natural processes, right? But you gotta know what to do with them. Well, God will show you what to do with them. Here's the other thing couldn't Moses have gone up on that hill and held up that rod for a while by himself? Yeah, just cause you can do it alone doesn't mean you should. Because eventually one person can get tired. Why? Because he still has a body that is not glorified yet, and that thing's gonna get weak. And there was something supernatural going on, he needed help in the physical. To uphold a supernatural victory. And so God drew to him a team. And that team helped do a very natural thing to create a supernatural victory. That team did a very natural thing to give a very supernatural victory. In the natural, it looked very logical. But it was way beyond logic. Because they had drawn on the Lord. God wants to take what you have right now. And he wants to add to it and partner with it the supernatural and turn it into a supernatural victory. But we need teams to make this happen. Can you see the importance of us becoming a family in your body of Christ? That body of Christ becoming a family and a team, right? Right? Teams, teams are, you'll hear me say this, the fundamental building unit of any organization. They are the fundamental building unit of any organization. You see it here in the Word. All right, now let's look at this last, uh, this is another story. Next chapter, Exodus 18, 13 through 23. It came about the next day that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood about Moses from the morning until the evening. Now when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, "What is this thing that you're doing for the people? Why do you alone why do you alone sit as judge and all the people stand about you from morning until evening?" All right, let me put it this way. Why do you alone go to the hospital? It's not that you shouldn't go or couldn't go, but why do we do it alone? Why do you alone come in and turn on the air conditioner? Why do you alone make sure that, you know, if you're technical, the video works. That was my deal. I would I had I had the most technical know-how, so I, that was my I was hard for me to let go of, you know. You may have your own thing that's hard for you to let go of, you know. It could be a number of things. It it could be it could be a number of things. What are some of the things it could be that that pastors don't let go of? Everybody being quiet. Yeah, technical. Technical. technical, yeah. Visiting the sick. Yeah, death. Praying for the sick. Yeah. Taking out, trash. out trash, mowing the yard, yeah, driving the picking up trash in the in the parking lot, leading praise and worship, leading praise and worship. Your favorite, counseling, counseling. <laughs> Yippee! <laughs> huh? Praying. I watched somebody one time talking about praise and worship. I watched somebody one time. It was God for them to get out of praise and worship, and the whole thing was being held back because they were. by the time they got up to preach, they were wiped out, and they weren't supposed to be there. They, even though they were gifted, they were gifted, right. but they weren't supposed to be there. They're supposed to hand it over to change. Anyway, so I've, I've watched that happen. There's so many things that we can do. And so what what do we want to do? We want to keep meditating on this so that when we actually end up doing one of those things that we haven't even thought about yet and the Holy Ghost goes, dink, 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 we go, oh yeah, yeah. Why do you do this alone? All right. He says, why do you alone sit as judge and all the people stand about you from morning until evening? Now listen to what he said. Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God, the people are not going to stop coming to you. <laughs> they are not going to stop coming. Have you ever noticed? It's when you are the most busy, all of a sudden, everybody wants to counsel. <laughs> everybody, all of a sudden, I need my pastor. I need him now. <laughs> well, if you'd have needed them t- three months ago, you wouldn't need them now. <sighs> if you'd have lived- anyway, that's that's pastor talk. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. Anyway, so. <laughs> That's just, but they will always come to you, always. The people. That's Moses' excuse because they come to me. He's got a heart to serve them, but the, the truth is he's not serving them well. He thinks he's serving them well, but he's not, and we're going to see it. Yes, ma'am. Oh.
3: What I see going on are comfort zones and gifts that come from God. Yep. Everyone loves the pastor. I mean, people who do love the pastor, he or she makes them the most comfortable. Like pastor Glenn was talking about visiting the sick or praying for the sick. They want to see their pastor and his gift of mercy is working. So it's something that he has from God to do and can step right in and do it. But it what you're saying it doesn't mean that you should do it alone yep. whereas to come out of that comfort zone would be to develop a pastoral department yeah and get the congregation used to seeing that there are shepherds under the main shepherd and and they we're, have to be, not be
0: the only one with gifts
3: right and they have to be before the congregation yes. a lot so that the people yeah. can get used to the under-shepherds.
0: But if we open that up, guess what it creates? Messes. <laughs> but which is better? And we're going to see it right here. Which is better? A lot of little messes or one big one? Yeah. And a ministry that's completely limited. And here's the other side of that too. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. You're going to see it in something else too. Here's, here's the other side of that. We like. Being used by God because we feel special. That's our pat on the back. Oh, I just, I felt the Holy Ghost move through me to minister to that person too. And you know why we're addicted to it? There a lot of times, honestly, because we're not addicted to it at home in our closet. Pastor Dare. I'm going to move off that. <laughs> yeah. That's the truth, yeah, though. Good, look, brother. look, yeah. we're more addicted to what we feel coming through us on Sunday morning because we ain't feeling it Monday through Friday.
1: Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I was just going to say what Bill Winston uh, said on one of the, the teachers that I heard of his, uh, that Joshua was, was anointed, had his hands laid on him by Moses yeah. to carry that same anointing. Yeah. And we know that the anointing is transferable yep. to those, uh, Sister Felicia said, that are close to us Yes. as Elijah and Elisha. You know, uh, that anointing is transferred, and they're training in the process of going with us. Yep. But I think sometimes, not at all times, but sometimes there come a time where you can send Joshua.
0: Yes, you know, yes.
1: Joshua, I need you to go. And they can go.
0: If we never focus on growing them up and releasing them and imparting mm-hmm. to them, it's not going to happen. We'll make the same excuse as Moses is because they keep coming to me. It's harder to train them. It takes me more time. It does take you more time at first, but then you begin to multiply yourself. You've got to focus on it. You've got, to, you've got to take some of these truths in the word and focus on them or else you'll never release it. And you'll never. How about we impart and activate those things as the men of God were called to be? Right? Okay. So he says, because people come to me to inquire of God, when they, isn't this revealing? Does, I mean, this is like, I know it's reading our mail. It still reads my mail, and I've been teaching it now for five or six years. But it still reads my mail. I'm like, man, i got to tighten up on that part, you know. Uh, and think about this. How much have we actually not been doing it and not been replicating ourselves he says, Moses' father-in-law said, or Moses said, because people come to me and inquire of God, when they have a dispute, it comes to me, and I judge between a man and his neighbor and make known to him the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you are doing is not good. Uh-huh. Listen to what he says. You, you will surely wear out. I mean. Both yourself and... And these people who are with you. Now look, I have been this guy right here wearing people out because I was worn out. Pastor Gene can tell you stories. (laughs) But I was wearing them out. Why? Because I was worn out. I thought that I had to handle every issue and need that came in front of my face because the people kept coming to me. And I was wearing myself out. I wasn't having any fun. And I was wearing the people out too. Now, was I serving them well? No. No, I wasn't. All right. I was a bad leader. I had to face that. He says, you will surely wear out both yourself and these people who are with you. For the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. You cannot do it alone. See, there you go. Don't do it alone. Now listen to me, and I will give you counsel, and God be with you. You be the people's representative before God, and you bring the disputes to God. Then teach them, teach them, this is developmental, this is replicating. Teach them, this is coaching, teaching, training, and mentoring. We'll get to it later. This is discipleship. It take, Doesn't it take longer to teach somebody something? I know Pastor Mike knows this. It takes time to teach. But in the end, it's worth it because you develop, you multiply your efforts. You're not just getting hour for hour anymore, right? Okay. So then he says, you teach them the statutes and the laws and make known to them the way in which they are to walk. And this one got me big. And the work they are to do. When I first started, I didn't want to tell people what the work that they were supposed to do because I'm like, well, they'll figure it out eventually, you know. But then I read this verse one time and it was while I was teaching one of these some years ago. And he said, and you tell them and teach them the work they're supposed to do. All of a sudden I got really good at telling people, you know, you should be doing this. Somebody needs to be doing this. Who is it? Is it you? Is it you? Is it you? I'm gonna sign somebody, you know. And I was afraid to tell them what to do because I thought they'd leave because I told them what they need to do. But I see here, the Lord told me to tell them. And my job as a leader is to teach them the work ...that they should be doing. And if I'm not teaching them work, I'm being disobedient. I'm missing my job. Teach them the work they are to do. Furthermore, you shall select out of the people able men. So we're not talking about just releasing anybody to go do ministry. You know, we got to know those that labor among us, right? You choose men and women who are able and have the wisdom and are, who are anointed by God, filled with the Holy Ghost. Select out the people, able men who fear God, men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain. And you shall place them these over them as leaders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. You see the breakdown of teams right there? Now, of course, he had a bigger church than most of us, but... Here's the thing, you see the breakdown. The weight is borne on a number of shoulders instead of just one. Amen. The responsibility doesn't just fall on one person. What happens? See, here's the thing. If you took let's say that I could hold up 500 pounds, right? Let's say I could take up 500 pounds and hold it. Well, I could hold it here for a while. But after a while, that's going to be too much, just like Rose, Moses holding up the rod, it's going to be too much, right? But I can take each one of us, let's say we got 12 in here, right? And I'll say, don't hold 500, just each of you carry 100, right? Well, now we just more than doubled what we're able to do and we're not wearing ourselves out. And we're carrying, now we can not only can we carry it, but we can gain momentum with it, right? Because we are doing it God's way. This is how you become more efficient and more productive, Then it says, verse 22, Let them, the leaders, judge the people at all times. What are they doing? They're leading. In other words, what I'm doing is I'm not just putting people in to do a job. I'm teaching them how to lead. Let them lead the people at all times. And let it be that every major dispute they will bring to you, but every minor dispute they themselves will judge. So it will be easier for you. In other words... If somebody is having a complete spiritual meltdown out in the lobby and they need the authority of pastor, then go handle it. But if the toilet is clogged, there's a bunch of people that know how to do a plunger. The major disputes bring to you. The minor ones, let the people do it. Let them. Don't do it alone. Don't do it for them. Don't fix it for them. Let it be that every major dispute they bring to you, but every minor dispute they themselves will judge. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. Listen to this last, verse 23. If you do this thing, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure. And all these people also will go to their place in peace. Because we've done it God's way. So you'll see on this slide the need for teams. The mandate from God is bigger than you. Two, the burden is carried with help. And three, success is gained through teams. Teams are the fundamental building unit of every organization. Teams are the fundamental building unit of any organization. Just because we can carry it alone... Doesn't mean that we should. Now, I want to get into, all right, we have some of the fundamentals. Now, what does this look like in practical application? Okay, what does this look like in practical application? If you look at this slide, you'll see what's known as the executive leadership team or the ELT. This is your team that is your leadership team. Where was the first picture of this leadership team was in the Bible. You had Moses, the man with the vision. And then you had Aaron and Hur who came and supported that man with the vision. You have this leadership team. If you look at the next slide, you can see a a diagram of this where Moses is the leader, the person with the vision. You have Aaron and Hur supporting that leadership team. This is the first biblical picture of an ELT or of a leadership team. I would say that each organization needs to have an ELT, an executive leadership team. You can call it something else. I call it what they taught me because I want replication and duplication to be in everything that I do, right? ELT, we have our own ELT. If you look at the next slide, you'll see that what happens is the pastor will seek the Lord, or the leader will seek the Lord and say, Lord, who needs to be on my leadership team? Who needs to be here? He hears from the Lord. He pulls those people into his leadership team, and then they support in this. You'll see the picture that they support the leader. They bring to the table plans, ideas, uh, resources. They bring all kinds of things to that table to support that leader, just like the biblical example. Now, you'll also see in the next slide that you have the ELT. Let's say that this is children's ministry. All right, one of those leaders at the ELT table will be handling, say, children's ministry or worship or there's different ones that you can have. Maybe it's outreach or uh, admin or something like that. They will be given different responsibilities. Now, what I have on my ELT is I have uh, Deb is our children's ministry leader. Well, Deb has her own team, not the ELT, but it's like that, for children's ministry. So she will get together with her ministry team and they will come up with the plans and the ideas and the resources. But then when she comes back into the ELT with me, she brings those plans with her. So now I'm touching that children's ministry without sitting in on that team all the time. I'm doing it the way that Jesus did it. I'm touching those people that are close around me, like the disciples, but through the disciples he's touching the masses, right? Remember in the loaves and fishes, the first, the first chapter, uh, chapter 14 I think of Matthew... I think it is, Matthew 14, 15. The first chapter, he, he shows them the loaves and fishes. He prays for them, and he continues breaking the bread. If you look it up in the original language, the next chapter, they feed the 4,000. It says, he started breaking. What does that mean? That means that in the first chapter, he modeled what to do. In the second chapter, he gave it to, their, to the disciples. He started it and said, okay, now you go take it. That's what they did. In other words, he was able to feed the masses just by him starting the process. This is what our ELT members will do. Now, if you look at the next slide, you'll see the kind of teams here. You see in the kind of teams, you see at the top is the CEO or the leader. And then that leader has the ELT. That's the executive leadership team. The ELT has the vision for the whole organization. They're not... Just because one member of the ELT is on the children's ministry, when they come in on the ELT, they are not focused just on children's ministry. They're focused on the whole church. Okay? Their focus is macro. It's not micro just to what they have responsibility over. When they sit on that ELT uh, leadership team, I want them thinking not how does this better the children's ministry, how does this better Boomerang, right? How does this better the whole church? But then when they break off into, wow, I don't know what happened. Um, When they break off into the other teams, let's go back to that slide. When they break off into those other teams... Oh, he's turning on some stuff back there. Uh, When they break off into those other teams, what happens is... they Actually, the building team is what would be over the children's ministry. So let's leave this slide up and I'll show you. So for example... I would be at the head of the ministry up here, then I would have my ELT. You'll notice here that this leader on the ELT oversees this building team which will make plans for the children's ministry. They will be on that building team. This building team is the team that comes up with plans, ideas, and commissions those plans. The functioning team is different. The functioning team is the ones who actually do the work. All right. So in other words, the children's ministry team, building team may come up with, okay, we're going to go over this curriculum. We want to have this person in place on this day, this person in place on that day. And they come up with the plans to do it. The functioning team would be the actual people that's in the nursery, that's doing the lessons. They're the ones that are hands-on. So you may have 20, 30 people on a functioning team, but you generally are only going to have about five on a building team. Now the ELT itself is a building team for the whole church, right? The building team uh, is the ELT for the whole church. Now. You may have in a parking lot, I may have basically a building team uh, for the parking lot ministry, or let's say outreach. Okay, we need to have four guys out in the parking lot on Sunday morning. One's at the driveway, one's, uh, one's pointing, and one's at each car saying, hey, how you doing, right? But, but that building team comes up with that plan, and then they bring that plan to the ELT, and we commission that plan. But then the functioning team would be the guys actually standing out there in the parking lot. Does that make sense? So you see the different aspects of them. So let's look now, once you understand those teams, let's look now at the Timothy process. The Timothy process is simply this. God sends people your way and you plug them into the system, the leadership process, You plug them into a system of leadership and discipleship and it helps to develop them. It helps to change them so that they can grow and become more productive and more efficient for the kingdom of God. In uh, 2 Timothy... In 2 Timothy... Verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, it says, You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You see the development? You see the replication there? So in other words, what he says is, The things which you have seen and heard in me. In other words, the things that I have learned that I know to do. You do these things and then teach others also. So can you see the leadership process to recognize, mobilize, right? Recognize, prioritize, and mobilize. Remember at the beginning what we know, what we do, and then teach others. You can see this right here in this verse. Learn what to do from the word and then you do those things, and then you teach other people to do the same. And, and so he says, look, entrust these things, not just to everybody, but to faithful men, and then have them duplicate, replicate, and teach others. So in the Timothy process, our job is to make people more productive and more efficient at building the kingdom of God. We will put them into our leadership pipeline. And in this process, coach, teach, train, and mentor them. And as they come out, they will be more efficient and more productive to carry out the vision that God has given them. And understand, too, that it says in in 1 Corinthians 12, 18, that God has placed the members in the body. If there are people that are in your church, God placed them there for them to uphold the vision that God's given you. That's why they're there, to advance the kingdom that God has given you a responsibility of that portion to advance and uphold. They're there to join the team to carry out the vision and mandates God's given you. And when you see that, it's not just, you know, to have large numbers. They're there and they need to know the work that they're there for to help advance this vision, right? All right, so every person that comes into your organization needs to be put into the pipeline to becoming a more responsible and more effective and productive person. They need to be plugged into the vision of your organization, they need to be plugged into the vision of, their or, of your organization. So as we look at this slide, you see that the Timothy process, they come into the pipeline, and as they are discipled, coached, teached, trained, and mentor, we make them more efficient and more productive so that they can get in their place, right? So that they can get in their place to uphold the vision, So you can see that when we coach, teach, train, and mentor, they get in their place. Your brand or your vision is their destiny. Their destiny is wrapped up in the place that God planted them. Did you plant them in your church? Did they plant themselves in their church? Now they can agree with God, but God's the one who plants them. And he planted them for a purpose to uphold the vision that God's given you. Your vision becomes the place where they can actually become who God's called them to be. So one of the things that happens in that is like we recently had a young lady here and uh, she's had these, these dreams of being uh, she, in worship and leading people in worship and doing great things for God. And uh, she had these, she saw herself traveling over time and doing different things and, and leading people in worship to the Lord and everything. She saw herself in front of great crowds and doing, and doing these things. And about a year ago, she came to uh, me and uh, Nicole and she said, I see it. I see it. She said, everything, I kept thinking that everything I was called to do was like outside of Boomerang. But it's not. It's right here. And we were like, yes, glory to God. Yes, yes, yes. You can do it all right here. Stop looking for your own ministry And just be where God's planted you. You notice, this is a big thing to me. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will come. I'm going to pour out the Holy Spirit. The disciples who had just been with Jesus for three years, the first place, the first place their mind went was, is it this time you're going to restore our kingdom? Is it now that you're going to... You're going to give us the Holy Spirit? Is it right now that you're going to make Israel the man again? So instantly, after three years with Jesus, the first place they went was not outside of themselves. They went right back to, you're going to make us something important. We call it our kingdom, your kingdom mentality or your ministry mentality. And you want to watch for those people. Because if they have my kingdom mentality or my ministry mentality, they got their own vision and they come and get into your ministry and they're gonna, you're going to instantly have division. You don't want that around. You, you, can't, you can't work with that. And, and if you let them, they will draw people to them and then when they go, it splits your church. But think about this. Think about the deception for the disciples to be in that place. Three years with Jesus. Three years with Jesus. First thing they think about is themselves. Instead of being planted in a vision and humbling themselves where God could actually take and blossom them into their vision, their destiny. But to do that, they'd have to submit and let go of who they think they are. But what, they, what we start to realize is when they actually submit to that vision, they'll find who God has made them to be. Your vision is their destiny. Your vision for your church is their destiny. Amen. Uh, will you hand him the mic? Yes,
2: sir. I love you, too. I was just going to say that I think, and then I heard Pastor um, Medley and Pastor Stovall say the same thing, in the hearts of the sentiment. Too often, though, we don't, we find that that part is the hardest to deal with for people to decrease who they really are and what they yeah. really think that God is telling them to do because they feel yeah. like they have something to prove. Yeah. So that level of submission is real hard, and it makes it more harder and it becomes, as you said, the whole competition thing as leaders yeah. too often. We see that, that that happens.
0: We, we have a responsibility to teach on it. We're supposed to teach the work that they are to do. And part of that work is giving up the me, me, me and moving into the Lord, what do you want to do? Because notice Christ's response there. He's like, it's not basically he's like, would y'all shut up? You know, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. But at this time, you will be empowered to be my witnesses, Jesus says. In other words, get your mind off of you and get it onto me is what Jesus was saying. And when people will do that in your ministry that you have a vision for, they will actually find their destiny and find their whole purpose. And even if their purpose is to have another ministry, it doesn't come by them going to try and fabricate it. It comes by them submitting until God multiplies it. That's where it comes. All right, so now let's look at this next slide. This is the RPM power meter. This is response per mandate. So imagine you have these mandates of God that God's given you, and you are called to respond to each mandate. Are we producing high efficiency and high production? Or are we on the low scale? You'll see in this uh, power meter, you will see three different areas. Doing, managing, and leading. Doing, managing, and leading. Now, there's going to be people in each one of these. But from, in terms of the leader, we need to be in only one place. And that's over in the leading side. We need to constantly be in touch with the leading side. Understand that if I am in the doing side, I'm not leading. I can't do everything, but I can lead many things, right? Now... So if we look at this, we'll see that if if I, as the leader, am on the doing side, I'm producing a low output, a minimum output. But if I'm in the leading side, I'm producing a high output and a maximum production. If I'm in the doing side, then I'm micromanaging many times, right? But if I'm in the leading side, then I, I see the big picture. I'm on the macro version of that, right? So we look at this. If you, as a leader, are in the doing area, you are robbing God's people from using their gifts. If you're in the doing, you are robbing God's people from using their gifts. And I'll say this: I know most of you are your pastors right now, but if you, I know you may be assisting in different areas to the the pastor over church. Listen, if you're allowing your leader. To do that, to move to the doing side, if you're allowing your leader, you're assisting in the robbery. So that's why when my elder called me out, he was not going to assist in the robbery anymore. There were people that were never going to be in full joy because they were never doing their part in the ministry because I kept doing their part. I was robbing them from using that. They, had, they needed, the work they had to do was to step up to support the vision that God had planted them in. And I was robbing them, and my leaders were letting me rob them. Well, in, any, you know, in America, if you drive the car that assists in armed robbery, you're just, as, you're just as, you know, yeah, you're an accessory to it. You're assisting in it. You get the same amount of jail time. Well, we've been doing that in the church. People need to sow their gifts and reap the fruit that it will produce. We cannot rob them of their harvest. We cannot rob them of their harvest. So how does this happen? This happens, if you look at this, look at this slide once again. When the leader is not in the leading, but in the doing, he's robbing the people. Not only that, it's producing low volume, low output. It doesn't have the high output that it should be. If he's in the managing or the doing, he is producing lower than he should be. Now I want want to show you this. All right, so watch. If you see, I want you to look right here at this desk, and I want you to think for a second. For in a minute I'm gonna I'm gonna do something, but I want you to keep looking up here. So I want you to think about an orchestra. Think about an orchestra. When the orchestra is warming up, when they're first getting ready to come on the stage and perform, what does it sound like before the maestro steps up there? Nice. Yeah. Bing, bong, bing, bong, bing, 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 Sounds like a mess, right? When, But when the maestro steps up there, hmm, what happens? That leader leads, and it brings what was a mess into a beautiful symphony. Because the leader is doing his job. He's in his position. He's behind the the desk of the maestro. He's leading a group of people. A group of skilled people. They all know what to do. But without a leader, it's still a mess. They need somebody in that position. And he gets up there and he leads. And he turns it into something beautiful because he's leading. Now watch. If we are outside of the leading area... This is what your ministry looks like. Look here, not at me. That's what your ministry looks like when you are in the doing and the managing and not the leading. You're sitting up there and your ministry that you are called to lead has no leader and it's a mess because you won't get out of the doing. I don't know about you. But the moment when I saw that example, I remember Pastor JB did that right there. I went, oh, I mean, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I went, that's, that's been my problem, a big part of it, besides several other things, you know, but we're not going to talk about those. But that was, that, was, <laughs> that was a big, big, big issue, big issue for me. There was nobody at the helm. I wasn't leading, I was doing so why would we step away from our leadership position? Well, let's say this. You know in the orchestra. Um, here, let me grab this. Can you see me? Yeah, there we go. Good. All right. You know in the orchestra, you got the guy with the little triangle, right? We're going to call him the dinger, okay? And So every orchestra seems to have a dinger, right? Now, all you need to do in the orchestra is at your right time, maestro, ding, right? But see, let's say that you were gifted at being a dinger before you became the maestro. And all of a sudden, you, you got so gifted at being the dinger, and you even added a little flair of your own, you know, before you know it. You used to, when you first started, you just dinged when it was your time, and it worked, and the song sounded fine and everything, but then after a while, you're like, I, I've got this so well, I can flare it up, I can stretch my gift out a little bit, and so you, know, you didn't just ding, you, you ding, right, and, and everybody was like, oh, did you see that, oh, <laughs> that's what yep. happened, pride, and ding, and before you know it, you, you were so good at doing it, you're like, I can add a little bit more. Ding! Did you see that? Did you see that? Did you see that little flare right there? It wasn't just a ding anymore, like you expanded your gifts so you were able to, not ding! Did you see the knee? Ding! Yeah, you got to get that. Ding, right? And, and here's the thing. What happens? Everybody sees that. And all of a sudden, you feel good about yourself. That pat on the back. So now, we're up here supposed to be leading, but we got this new dinger right <laughs> and we're like he doesn't de- I mean he doesn't get it he doesn't he understand that there's got to be some of that that goes along with his dinging and not only that but I like the way it feels when people pat me on, you, you know I saw you step down from your leadership position and move into your gifting and, and you you deem so well we like that feeling and so we'll come down here and get in the doing instead of leading The other thing that we want to do is, let's say that over here is the trombone player, right? And you've got this new trombone player, and he's learning. I mean, he's on the team, but he's you know he needs to learn some stuff. And you know, when you, you're you're leading the music, and it's supposed to go to the trombone guy, and you point to him, and it's supposed to go, right? But this new guy, you know. He didn't go, he goes, oh my goodness, what are we going to do with him? And so we're trying to tell him, oh my gracious, as a leader, I, ah! And I come down here, but he's, he's just dense. He's not getting it. I try to tell him, brum, 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 but he didn't do. Brum, brum, brum. He goes, brum, brum. I was like, no, 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 you got to, and don't need. Brum, 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 I need, brum, brum, brum. you know, I need, in, in order for this to work, right? I need you to do this. He's not getting it. It takes time. It's effort. So what do we do? we're leading. Just sit to the side. When it comes time to do it, I'll come down here myself and go. But see, the whole symphony has to stop for me to come be down here. There's nobody leading. Because we don't want to take the time to coach, teach, train, and mentor. It's easier just to do it myself. You see, a few weeks ago, uh, we had some of the video stuff and I was teaching somebody, and I had to sit down for like four hours to go through all of the technical stuff and the networking and all this stuff to make it work. It took me four hours, and I was tired. I didn't want to take four hours. But until I coach, teach, train and mentor, I got to do it. And I don't have time to do it anymore. And how can God give me more if I can't get out of the video booth? How can he do it? How can he give me something to lead? How can he add to it or multiply to it if I'm still having to run back and fix everything? I've got to have other people that I've got to replicate myself. I've got to duplicate myself. We've got to coach, teach, train, and mentor. When we are in the doing and at the low output, the organization is dysfunctional at best. It's dysfunctional at best. Four things that happen when the organization doesn't have the leader in the right position. Four things. The leader loses intimacy with God. The leader loses intimacy with God. Do you remember in Acts? If we go and we keep doing it, we're going to neglect our intimacy with the Lord. Neglect the word and prayer. Number two, thing that happens when the leader's out of position, major mistakes are made. Number three, major opportunities are missed. And four, leaders are not developed. I don't replicate. I don't duplicate. I don't teach other people to be leaders. We just stalemate. We just stagnate right there. Because nobody's growing. Nobody's changing. We're just carrying on. So many churches are at that place because we're not duplicating ourselves. So and when people are not in their leadership position, leaders lose intimacy with God. Major mistakes are made. Major opportunities are missed. And leaders are not developed. Leaders are not developed. So what you see is we move here from the doing into the managing. We'll go to the next slide, We go from the doing into the managing. We want to constantly be turning that dial and getting away as the leader from the doing and more towards the leading. We want to constantly be moving. This is closing the gap, moving ourselves out of the doing and out of the managing and into the leading. Now, how do we do this? When we have these teams, how do we do this? If you, look at, um, the, if you look at your slide right here, you'll see that when you have the different teams, that this leader over the building team, the children's ministry leader, they would effectively be the leader of that team. So in the children's ministry, they need to be moving from the doing and into the leading. Whatever leader, you can scale it up and down. The ELT needs to have a leader of the pastor, but the children's ministry team needs to have its leader. And that leader needs to move from the doing into the leading as well. So no matter if you're the head of an organization or you're a leader of a building team, you want to be moving in that direction. And one of the most important things, this is one of the things that really helped me a lot as a leader, is you look at the job descriptions of the leader and of the team. And let's look at those now, the job descriptions. The number one job for the leader is to provide direction or provide vision. The number one thing they should do is provide vision. Number two is obtain, review plans, obtain and review plans, ideas and recommendations. Now, notice that it does not say create. It says obtain them. Plans, ideas and recommendations. They provide vision, they provide vision, and that vision is given to the team. And the team comes up with plans, ideas, and recommendations. The leader obtains those plans. Number three, the leader commissions the plan or the work or redirects it. Four, he provides resources for their success. He coaches, teaches, trains, and mentors. He gives the money or the uh, human resources necessary to carry out that vision. And then, five, the leader obtains evaluation and mandates accountability. This is the job description of the leader. So we want to make sure that as a leader that we're following these job descriptions. We want to make sure that we're following exactly the way we need to. We're providing vision. We're getting from the team plans, ideas, and recommendations. Then we commission the work. Okay, this is a good plan. Go make it happen. Or we need to work on this plan. Let me give you a little bit more vision, and let's redirect it. Come back with a better plan. Then we provide the resources. But we take the time to coach them, teach them, train them. And then we obtain evaluation and mandate accountability. We have four questions that we ask. We say, what was supposed to happen? What actually happened? What made the difference? And what can we do to improve it or make it better? What was supposed to happen? What actually happened? What accounts for the difference? And how can we improve? Okay, and by doing that, what we're doing is, what are we doing? We're facing reality. Now, the team's job description is number one: protect the anointing or protect the vision. In a company, it would be protect the brand, you know, protect the uh, credibility of the company, protect the integrity and the production of the organization. Number two: do what it takes to accomplish vision. Do what it takes. Not your best, but do what it takes. Number three, the team creates plans, ideas, and recommendations. Now, the team that we're talking about is not the functioning team. It's the building team. It's the one that comes up with the plans. And then four is report the pulse. In other words, they see that methods, systems, and procedures of reporting are put into place and adhered to. So the leader or the CEO has a pulse on the organization. It's not good for the leader simply to just uh, lead but never know what's actually happening in the organization. He needs to have some way of having his finger on the pulse of the ministry or the pulse of the organization. And when this happens, we move from the doing over into the leading and an organization becomes a high output. The organization starts to put out a high output based on each mandate. When you go to the next slide, the RPM. When we do this, we move from the doing to the managing and then uh, into the leading. Now, you look at this and you see uh, the next slide shows you how to rate performance. I just show this really quickly. Uh, This is where we will rate. You can rate anything. You can take a look at this. Remember where it said that Moses was supposed to tell them what to do, right? Right? He was supposed to tell them the work. Well, that means that he also shows them areas where they're not coming up to par. He mandates accountability. When you use this, you see results and behavior. You can rate anything. You can look at a year. How did we do last year? What were our behavior? You know, or what were the results we had? But what was our behavior in getting there? What, how did this project do? How was this event? Is this team doing well are they producing good results do they have good behavior on that, that way do, are, how are individuals doing etc you can rate practically anything what you're looking at is a scale on each side from zero to ten. Zero being like you know not jesus and ten being jesus right and so you see on that scale that if you look at the top right you want to look more and more like jesus and so we want to try and get there if you look at this one This is a very good, this is an example of an actual couple that we had in the church at one point. You'll see that uh, the red line uh, or the bottom one there on the right, there there was a couple in the church and one of the spouses, their behavior was awesome. Like they were just constantly, they had such good behavior, good spiritual fruit, stuff like that. But any time I asked that spouse to do anything, it only got done about half the time. Maybe 40%, you know, 50% on this, on this uh, chart. So you can see that their results were stinky. So they were, they were not where they needed to be, even though their behavior was pretty good. Their behavior was like a nine, but their results were horrible. So they, were, they needed to grow in getting some things done. They would say, yes, I'd get it done, but they never get it done. On the other hand, the other spouse, uh, if I asked them to get something done, man, it would get done. I mean, it was amazing. I loved asking them to get stuff done for if I was results-oriented only. But the only problem was they might lie cheat, and steal to get there. (laughs) Their behavior stunk, right? And so you can see that they were way outside of the curve too. And so by using this chart, I can say, look, You know, every time I ask you to get something done, your results are awesome. But I got people coming to me, uh, bringing me pieces of paper showing that you lied and stole. I said, coming to the church thinking that you're a leader here. And so I had this issue that I had to deal with. So you've got to bring this up. You can't stay at this place. So it helps give you the ability to grow in that and show people how to rate things. Now... If you uh, look at this, next slide, responding to mandates. Have have you ever had it where God keeps giving you things? Do you think that God's plan for you is suddenly going to decrease just because you don't handle it well? He's got a plan and he wants to restore the time. But a lot of times what happens is God gives us these mandates. He gives us and shows us these things to do. But we don't, hold, we don't handle them well because if you look at this slide with the funnel, what happens is when we're doing it alone and we're trying to do everything, there's a choke point on our output and everything gets backed up. And what happens when it gets backed up? It creates a mess. You know, It creates an overflow of the mandates and then all of a sudden we're, we're mad at God a lot of times but it's our fault because we're the choke point because we're out of the leadership position and it creates that mess. Our job then and the, the answer to this is the next slide. Don't keep being the single choke point, widen the funnel. In other words, let's not just have one Area that the mandates of God flow through, but let's widen the funnel and let's allow the responsibility to rest on the shoulders of the whole crowd. Widen the funnel. Let's train, coach, teach, train, and mentor, and then we will move and widen the funnel and give more of these mandates, put them in the hands of some leaders that we've duplicated. So when we respond to mandates, we lead the change. By teaching people, coaching, teaching, training, and mentoring, but we also delegate, empower, and entrust. Now, most people think that leadership is just delegation. They think that, all right, you go do this, you go do this, you go do that, and they think leadership is delegation. Delegation is just the first step of leadership. What happens when you're not there? Nobody's telling them what to do. What happens all of a sudden to the organization? It crumbles because there's nobody there to delegate. Because there's no replication. Leadership is first delegating, but then it's also empowering and entrusting. How do we build better teams? We coach, teach, train, and mentor, but we also delegate, empower, and entrust. Delegate gives them the right to participate. Delegate gives them the right to be a part of what we're doing. Empowering gives them the right to contribute. What do you think we should do? What do you think? Entrusting gives them the right to be faithful. I've I've seen it like this. Um, I've heard this example delegation is when you go out for a dinner with your spouse and you leave your children with the babysitter, right? Delegation is uh, basically you're five minutes down the road if you need anything, call us, right? You're, you're allowing them to contribute. Empowering is, hey, we're going to be two hours away and so we can get back and we have other people there in town, but you've got to empower them to make some decisions, I'm not going to be there to delegate, and I can't get there quick enough. I can get there within a reasonable amount of time. But there's some empowerment that has to happen. Entrusting is, we're going to be out of the country. There's no way we can get back. You've got to make all the decisions, and I trust you to do that. But it's a leadership process where we teach and we grow people way beyond delegation to the point where we can hand over things to people. Like, for instance, in our children's ministry... I've not touched those decisions in a long time now. Now, it's not that I don't hear about them. I have my finger on the pulse of them, but that thing's running. It's doing awesome. Why? Because I've grown. That's probably the team that we've had the most growth in, uh, in that leader. And that leader is still just, it's, it's kicking along. It's doing awesome because we've raised up that ability. All right? So now we need to widen the funnel, but we have to lead that change. All right, look at the next one. When we do this, when we wind the funnel, we we will peg that leadership and now we're producing the highest output that we can. These last uh, few slides, I, I really cannot say, look at the slide that says proper CPR. I can't tell you how important this is. Proper CPR. CPR is communication, partnership, and relationship. To make up... CPR, you have communication, partnership, and relationship. Without one of these three, you don't have proper CPR. And if you don't have one of these three, if you don't have proper CPR, the truth is you don't have a team. And remember, teams are the fundamental building unit of any organization. So what you see is communication is when we obviously communicate, Partnership is when we do this thing hand in hand, but then relationship is also where we hang out, right? In other words, if I don't have relationship with somebody, then I don't have proper CPR, then we're not really family. That's right. We're not really family. Are we then a team? No, we're not a team. And then what happens to the organization? It's not built on anything. There's no structure. The organization is starting to fail already because CPR is gone, because relationship's not there. If I don't have partnership, in other words, let's say that I communicate well with somebody and we have a good relationship, but they won't partner with me in carrying the load, do we have a team? No. If Let's say that I have partnership and relationship, but we have no communication. We still don't have a team because there's got to be communication of the vision and how things are going back and forth. Without one of these three things, we don't have a team. Now, it's important if you look at this slide, think about this. How good would this organization be if the leader was not in proper CPR with God? Can we see and agree that, man, we've got to have that? If, we, if we're out of touch in a church with, with the Lord, we, we don't have proper CPR. That team has fallen apart because that leader's got to have a connection to have vision to pass on. What about the team member? Would the team be alive if the team member didn't have proper CPR with God? No. So we can agree that we need proper CPR with God, but here's the one that we overlook all the time is the connection between the team member and the leader. And you see that in order for us on the next slide, you see that the team member and the leader also has to have proper CPR. They have to communicate, they have to partner, and they have to have relationship. And without that, they still don't have a team. The leader can have their relationship with God, the team member can, but if the team member and the leader don't have it, the team's still broken. The team's broken, the whole organization's not going to function well. It's not going to be outputting because teams are the fundamental building unit of any organization. So when we have proper CPR, this proper CPR is up to the leader to develop. The leader develops this. The leader cultivates this atmosphere. This was something else that I was really not good at. Because when you are a positional leader, my way or the highway that we talked about earlier, you don't care what other people think. (laughs) It's my way or the highway. What difference does it it make what you think? right? Because they really cared about what we uh, thought in boot camp right there. Brother Ken, <laughs> they, they really care. Yeah, the, the military was a great training exercise. The only problem was their, their uh, motivation was fear. God says love. It doesn't work quite the same, you know. <laughs> you can, you're going to be off if you try to operate by fear, which is what positional leadership is. But that's why it has limitations. But in God's system, you don't have limitations. But you've got to have this communication, and the leader facilitates and cultivates proper communication, partnership, and relationship. The leader cultivates this. I was not cultivating this, and so I was having breakdowns in communication, getting mad at my team for not communicating, because, but I wasn't creating an atmosphere where they could do it. And so was I leading? No, I wasn't. So you look at this and you'll see these things. Um, Safe harbor. Safe harbor is one of the most important things that you can do. Safe harbor means this. If a ship was in a storm and the storm is blowing, a ship could come into a harbor harbor and remain safe. It would still feel the effects of the wind, It would still have a little bit of waves, but it wouldn't rip the ship apart. A leader should be able to come into a team meeting, an ELT meeting, and give you reality, because without facing reality, you don't have change. But he's got to be able to be honest and have safe harbor where it's not going to be held against him if he comes against something the leader says. Now, he doesn't do it outside of the team meeting, but in the team meeting, he's no use to you if he doesn't have safe harbor. And the only person that cultivates safe harbor is the leader. The leader has to cultivate it. So let me give you an example of that. Pastor JB has one of the best stories I know about this. He says, we we came up into this period of time. He said, all of a sudden, we noticed that our salvations on Sunday morning were dropping off. He said, the numbers were low. We didn't know what to do. He said, something was wrong. He said, I thought, as the leader, I thought that the person that was following up with the new converts was falling down on the job. They weren't re- returning phone calls. They weren't following out with, up with the new salvations. He said, so I thought that because they weren't following up, God was saying, if you're not going to honor what I've given you, why should I give you more? So he walked in, and this uh, pastor's name was Barr, Pastor Barr, I believe it was. And uh, he walks into the meeting thinking, this is our issue, but I'm going to open it up to questions, and I'm going I'm to see what everybody has. And he walks in, and uh, he says, hey guys, our salvations are down. Why do you all think that is? He said, and we were sitting there, and uh, Pastor Barr spoke up, you know, the one who's got it wrong. And uh, he says, well, Pastor... He said, because he's, he had created safe harbor, Pastor Barr felt okay to say this. He said, Pastor, I think we're not getting salvations because you're preaching too long and not giving them enough time to make a decision. And he said, everybody in the ELT, their, their notepad went like this. <laughs> he said, because they didn't want to see the massacre that was about to happen as Pastor Barr's head rolled down the table, right? Because they just knew... He went, hold up, hold up, hold up. Wait, wait, wait. He said, put your paper down. Put your paper down. He said, do y'all think this is true? And he said, and one by one, they all said, we do, Pastor. We think that's that's what's happening. He he said, you know what? I think you're right. He, He examined it, and he said, I think you're right. He said, I worked on that the next Sunday. He said, I wasn't quite done preaching yet. He said, but they have multiple services. So he was rushing the altar call. So he gave more time to the altar call. He said that next Sunday, 26 people came to the Lord. (laughs) What would have happened if he would not have cultivated safe harbor where somebody could be honest with him on his team? You know, what if he just said, no, Pastor Barr, you're an idiot. No, you hadn't been following up with them, right? That's positional leader. That's what so many people do. All those people would not have come to the Lord that Sunday. But because he had cultivated safe harbor, you know, now this doesn't mean that Pastor Barr gets to come out on Sunday morning in front of the whole congregation and say, Pastor JB, I think you're an idiot, you know? That's not what safe harbor is. That's a good way to get fired. Um, But that's... And the Holy Ghost to get on you, too. But he created Safe Harbor. It created it. One time when we were first establishing this process, one of my leaders came to me. They had something to tell me for three months. And they finally got up enough nerve to come and tell me because they thought I needed correction in something. Right? Well, as a leader, most of these things that people are bringing up, I've thought through a lot of them. A lot of them I've sat and meditated and thought through, and, and I do well meditating and thinking like that. And uh, so I have reasons for most of the things that I do, and, and they knew this, but they felt like this was something I needed to hear. And so they brought this point up, and I asked them some questions. I mean, I can't just take, oh, okay, yeah, that's it. I'm just going to go change now. No, I've got to examine it, pray about it, ask questions. They asked questions. We talked for about 15 minutes. In the end, they ended up making a statement. When they said it, I heard God's voice in what they said. I heard the voice of the Lord. And he was was showing me something I needed to correct. I said, you you can stop right there. What you're saying is the Lord. And I know it. And I apologize. I, I repent for not doing it right. And I'll change that right now. And sure enough, it was the Lord. And well, here's what happened. It wasn't that they could just walk in and tell me anything and me not challenge it. I need to challenge it. I need to make sure that I'm on the right track because I'm, I carry the task through Jesus of leading other people as well. I can't just jump because somebody had an emotional experience based off of their own history or something like that. I've got to make sure it's God. But once I make sure it's God, then, and here's what they saw. Their experience was, you know what? Pastor, will listen to me. He might ask me some questions, but he'll listen and he'll change. And what did I just do? I created safe harbor. That they're not afraid to bring these things up to me at the right place. Well, that helps me face reality. That's why they're on the team. So in creating... Now, do I have proper CPR if I don't have safe harbor? No, I don't. And therefore, I don't have a team. You look at the next one. Ask questions. Jesus asked Questions. Do y'all have a? Did you put the list of those out for them? The questions, Priscilla? So you should have in front of you a list of questions that Jesus asked. Why are you so afraid? Which is easier? Do you believe? Will you give me a drink? Why are you thinking about these things? Why did you doubt? Who do you say that I am? What do you want me to do for you? Jesus was a master at asking questions. I like looking over this every now and then and just reviewing the questions just to remind me about some of those. Ask questions. Why do you ask questions? Because your team members, they have wise counsel. They have facts. This is facing reality. They have background and experience, they have ideas, they have perspective that you don't have, and they have knowledge that you don't have. This is why we need people on our team. We need to ask questions. Yes, sir? The, it's on that next slide. Okay. All right. We need to ask questions because our team has things that we don't have. They have wise counsel, facts, Background, experience, ideas, perspective, and knowledge that you don't have. I need, there was one guy uh, that one time coming on the team, he said, I don't fit with your team. I said, that's exactly why I need you on it. That's exactly why I need you on it, because you think different from everybody else, and I need that thinking. Many older pastors need some youthful thinking. We have one member on our team that's in, in their 20s. And they're, they're a mature 20s. But they bring a different thing. I'm telling you, they, they think differently. But I need that. I need to hear that. Ask questions. So proper CPR. See how this is up to the leader to establish? Safe harbor. Ask questions. Listen. Really listen. Don't just be thinking about what you're going to say next. Of course, we know this, but you know, I'm still working on this myself. Listen, really listen, but then have absolute honesty. We need absolute honesty. This is proper CPR. We need absolute honesty, but there is a timing to honesty. <laughs> there, understand that sometimes, you know, right before you go into... Uh, uh, a message is not the time for your ministry leader to come up and tell you how sucky they think you've been preaching, right? Be honest, but know that there's a timing to it and teach them about that timing. But you also learn about that timing. So this is, these things about uh, CPR, it is so very, very important. Jesus asked questions And the questions drew them to their own discovery and revelation. Ask questions. Get feedback. What would you do different? Why should we do it this way? Why should we do it this way? Ask the question. Let your team come to their own. What are you doing? You're teaching them how to think and how to lead as well. You're modeling leadership that Jesus also modeled. Not only that... But make sure that you don't ask harsh and judgmental questions like, what knucklehead thought this was a good idea? (laughs) Don't ask questions like that. Also, when you're thinking about safe harbor, I'll tell this to my team. Look, it's safe harbor, not Pearl Harbor. All right. (laughs) It's not like I, I want them to be honest, but it's not time to start dropping bombs on the other team member. Right. Safe harbor. Not blow them out. Now, let me tell you about this, though. When you have a team and you have proper CPR, guess what's going to happen? You're going to push back some of that dust. The holes are going to appear. A lot of those holes are going to be in you and in the team members. People don't respond well when they realize, I have a lack. You are going to have meltdowns. If you give yourself to this process, you are going to have meltdowns. But understand this. Meltdowns are not actually a bad thing. It's, face, it's a part of facing reality. And at that point of meltdown, you have one of two things that's going to happen. Either one, that person's going to humble themselves and change and then therefore grow. Or two, they're going to put themselves off the team, which you need to happen. Meltdowns are not, after screaming screaming and tears and emotional, yeah. Meltdowns will happen, I can assure you. I remember when I heard Pastor JB say that, I was like, please don't have any, I don't want any (laughs) meltdowns, I don't want any issues and problems, but I realized that even those meltdowns can lead to opportunities. And I've watched them time after time, the meltdowns actually take the person to the place of growth. They needed, to get, they needed those holes revealed because it was a big major issue in their life. They, didn't, they couldn't see it. But you get in this type of environment, they start to come to the surface. That's awesome. It's a mess, and it needs to be cleaned up. But then it immediately breaks that glass ceiling that you couldn't see before. All right. So now this slide here is a flow chart for the team workflow and communication and then we got a couple more and we're done the team workflow I love this because you really see you really see right here how this workflow is supposed to happen between the leader and the team you see at the top left there that the leader provides vision and direction to the team the team then creates the plans ideas and recommendations off of that vision and direction. Then you see in orange there that the leader reviews the plan, idea, and recommendations, and he asks the question, is this plan or idea or recommendation ready? If it's it's not ready, then he redirects the plan back to the team. He provides additional vision and direction, and then gives it back to the team. The team then goes to create the new plan, submits it to the leader. The leader asks again, is the plan, idea, or recommendation ready? If it is, then the leader commissions the plan. Okay, give resources to it. Then they carry out the plan. The team carries out the plan. Then the team evaluates the performance, and then he brings the performance, the evaluation, back to the leader. So these things we have now happening naturally. We have them happening naturally. For example, the other day, a very small uh, example of that was uh, the TV that you all saw in the conference room. Uh, This was a very easy one. The leadership team said, we got this TV. Here's the price. We'll get it up and we'll have it up in the conference room on Thursday before the pastor's forum in case we needed to do it in there. I said, glory to God. I said, how much is it? Here's the plan. Here's TV. Here's everything. They brought me the plan. I said, go with it. Spend the money. right?" I commissioned the plan. They, they already had the plan to get it up and, and working and everything. I was gone. I had nothing to do with it. I walk in today, it's up and working. It's there. So it, it just followed this. You know, all we did was we followed. We're, we've gotten more and more efficient over time. At first, we were not efficient. We had to work through this, but the more we've done, the more efficient that we get, the more we understand, and this process works. Now, if you look at the next one, it's important to understand this, the five dysfunctions of a team. The five dysfunctions of a team are absence of trust. This is how a team can break down. Absence of trust, fear of conflict, lack of commitment, avoidance of responsibility... And inattention to results. Now, I want you to see how these break a team down. Just there's a book by Patrick Lencioni. Um, I think it, it's a worldly book. It's not a Christian book, but he talks about these. But you can see how these uh, really affect a team. Number one, absence of trust. When you have an absence of trust between team members, people are afraid of risk, and their gifts and talents are not used. If you don't trust the person next to you, then why do I want to put myself out there? I won't give my gifts and I won't give my talents out there. And people stop, they stop being willing to step out because they risk, I don't trust this person, so it's not going to go well. So you have a breakdown of the productivity. The fear of conflict. If somebody in the team has a fear of conflict, they don't want to have conflict with somebody, then you have an artificial harmony. It's an artificial harmony. You think you're in unity when you're actually not in unity because that person doesn't want to bring it up. I need team members to say, hey, I don't think this plan's going to work because I don't want to get out into the middle of the plan and the event and all of a sudden it completely break down because a member on the team didn't bring up the issue that they saw that that's why they're there in the first place is to see the issues before we get out there in, in the doing of it, Right? And so if I have somebody on that team who sees that, but they're afraid of conflict, well, I'm just going to leave it alone. Now all of a sudden we get out in the middle of the event representing God and we look like a bunch of kids. We have artificial harmony. Lack of commitment. Things become unclear or cloudy because priorities are mismatched. Also, they become unclear and cloudy as to what is going to happen and results become hard to find. So if I have somebody who won't commit, right, I don't know what's going on. All right, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't know if I'm going to commit or not. Or maybe they say they're going to commit, but they don't actually commit. Who knows what's actually happening? Are we getting done? I don't know. I don't know. Well, who's handling that? Well, so and so's supposed to handle it, but who knows if they're doing it because there, there's no commitment there so you can't really lead stuff because there's a lack of commitment avoidance of responsibility this produces low standards and a just get by attitude all right i don't want to take responsibility so let's just do the lowest thing possible that we can do and let's just put a check mark in the box but let's not do it everything as unto the lord because i don't really want to be responsible for it and it produces that just get by Low standards happen. Are we supposed to be going after low standards? No, we're supposed to be going after the standards of God. And five, inattention to results. See, if you don't actually pay attention, did this event that we did, did it really actually just stink? Tell me if it did. Because if it really stunk, but we're not not paying attention to uh, results, then we think we're doing something when we're actually not. Let me give you a great example of this. The last time I heard it, these numbers could be different now, but I'd say it's at least probably average. Your average church has approximately 100 people in it, about $100,000 income, and it's less than two souls saved per year. That's the last time I heard those numbers. Now, that could be different now, but they're probably still good, maybe a little worse. You're talking about 50,000... Dollars per soul won into the kingdom of God. Now they're building disciples they're doing some other stuff besides that but see in attention to results we need to be paying attention to some results. The last outreach that we did uh, that was like this we, we spent I think it was uh, 15 I think it was around $15 per person that got born again. That's pretty good. So, but because we're paying attention to results, we can judge and rate where we're actually at and face reality. But if we don't do that, then we have a proper ego. You know, you got a whole bunch of churches that are open right now that should not be open because they're not paying attention to results. They think that they're doing God's work. And the, the world is looking at them and laughing. They, they're laughing at most of the churches because they're not producing results. They won't even go in there. They, they don't even start to think about the church as being a place of power and real answers because we're not producing anything. Because we're not, we don't have any attention to the actual results. He said these, these signs will follow those that believe. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Right? They drink anything uh, deadly, it will not harm them. Right? They'll speak with new tongues. They'll pick up deadly things. Right? He, he's saying, look, these are the kind of things you should be seeing believers healed and saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. You should be seeing them healed. You should, be, you should be seeing these things. This is the fruit of a believer. But see, the church has not been paying attention to results. And so we think we're doing a good job, and we're really not. That's not supposed to be the results of a pastor. That's supposed to be the results of every believer. So I ask people a lot. He's like... When's the last time you won somebody to the Lord? You. Not in church. You. When's the last time you prayed over them and they got healed? When's the last time that you got somebody filled with the Holy Ghost? This is fruit that Jesus said, Which See, and what am I doing? I'm just trying to get us to start thinking on results again. Because otherwise we have an improper ego. Okay. These are dysfunctions of a team. So now, look at this. Go back to this slide. Remember at the beginning? The last slide's right here. After hearing all of this, zero being no leadership and ten being leadership, where would you actually rate yourself on a scale of one to ten? After hearing what you heard today, where would you rate yourself? And so go ahead and do it. Rate yourself at the end versus at the beginning. And I don't know about you, but this is what I found. When I first did this, I probably put a 6 or a 7 down at the beginning. That was my guess. And then I heard the basic training, and I went, I'm a 3 or a 4. And really, looking back at it now, I would say I was a 2 that day. <laughs> so what I realized was I needed this a lot more than what I thought I did. I needed to grow. And the more I hear it, the more things I see it, the more things the word points out to me that I need to be doing. And what's important is because by you doing that, how many people you would rate it lower now than you did at the beginning? And it's almost always everybody, right? So here's the thing. Now when you go to start telling your leaders, then you can say, look, we need this more than we think we do. Even me. You know, and it gives you a place of resolve to understand that. That's why it's important to do it. Look at this. Uh, uh, John Maxwell said this. He said, On a scale of 1 to 10 in leadership, most pastors, John Maxwell said, on a scale of 1 to 10, most pastors are fours. Most pastors are fours. But here's the problem with that. Fours can only lead fours, threes, twos, and ones. They can't lead fives. So in other words... If we don't grow in our leadership ability, God can't send leaders in. He can't send fives into a fours ministry because that five is a leader. He won't stick around there because he recognizes leadership and they ain't got it. And we haven't become good stewards of what the Lord's given us. So we need to grow that leadership ability and God will start sending some people with some more ability into your place that will be able to be planted there. This last slide is Colossians 4.17. And I like this. It says this. Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. In other words, take heed to it. Grab a hold of it. Make it yours so that you can fulfill it. This leadership call that the Lord has invited you to, you can do it. So take a hold of it and be the leader that God's called you to be. Don't back away from it. Take heed to this work. Take heed to this serving. Take heed to this ministry that you may fulfill it. Amen? Amen. Amen. So what this shows you is a snapshot of the basic leadership training. There's a lot more stuff where like problem solving and what happens when you have you know, an issue with somebody. There's even teaching and training over that. But this gave me, this basic training gave us enough to do for five years. We've been working on that because the first thing was I had to form an ELT. And once I formed that properly and we started going through like that workflow process, it took some time. And guess what? Right when we got started going good, we had a meltdown. <laughs> then we had to recover from the meltdown and get the right person back on. Then we had another meltdown. Then I think we had one more. But it, you know, And you just worked through that. You worked through it. But guess what? We had those problems the whole time. We just didn't know it until then. And we just had to work on it. And we had to get better and give ourselves to grow in the Lord. Amen. 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 So now, any of this, I'll answer questions now if anybody has a question that's pressing. Uh, But also be around for more questions later on. I will tell you this. If it's a process that you want to press into, you need to have resolve to do it. I know when I saw it, I was like, I've got to do this. I knew I had it from the Lord. And I knew that I needed to press into it. I, needed, I knew our church needed to. But it took some time. I didn't just go back home and do it that Sunday. I had to pray on it. I had to get ready. And then there are steps that you can do to help uh, prepare yourself and prepare the people. If you needed all right, uh, somebody to come in and say, hey, all right, I want to gather my initial ELT. Because your ELT has to get, grab this vision. They, they need to be a part of what you've got inside your heart. And if they're not, you're going to have issue with them later on for sure. So what generally the process is, the pastor will get a hold of it, and he'll start working different parts of this process and start seeking the Lord on it, asking, who do you want on this ELT? And then you come in and bring that leadership team in, and they see the basic trends, so they can see the big picture and know where we're going. They got to know where you're going or else they won't understand what you're doing this for. They won't understand all the parts of the processes and things like that. They won't see what you're trying to get to. So it's important for them to catch it as well. The great thing is today we recorded it. So this will have it so you can show it or watch it or anything like that. And we can get you these files as well. Does anybody have any questions? Y'all are sharp. Y'all, got, y'all caught most everything right away, so it's good. You will have some over time. And remember, it's not just me. Pastor Chris was supposed to be doing this. He's a great resource that's got so much experience, and he's available as well. And I love you guys. Father, we just thank you so much for giving us the ministry that you've given us. Lord, let us be the best stewards that we can be and lead your people. Not just be active, Lord, but let us lead your people with wisdom and knowledge and understanding. In Jesus' name, Lord, let the anointing of God through the Holy Ghost come on your pastors to be who you've called them to be. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Y'all, thank you for being here so much. And let us know how we can help you. I love you. Have a good one. Bye-bye.